What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week. This is Live Life Wrestling Show. Sincere Hogan, Mike Marlin on the other line. What's up, bro? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I just saw a great concert last week, towards the end of last week. Kill Switch Engage. Oh, yeah. Dang, you talking. Awesome. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> and what's interesting is that there were three, I think, four opening up bands. One of them was good, From Ashes to New. They're kind of a rap rock band, similar to Linkin Park, Hollywood and Dead, that kind of band. They were really mm. good. Great stage energy. Then the three bands that came on after, they didn't suck, but they weren't that great. It was just time to go to the restroom and go buy yeah, the beer yeah, yeah, and everything exactly. else. Fortunately, they have a lot of couches to lounge out on at the Hard Rock Cafe because I would have hated to have to stand up for all of that. But anyway, after the first couple songs of each of these bands, you're like, eh, it's not that great. Then when Killswitch came on, it's oh, like yeah. the whole energy changed. Oh, oh like yeah, the man. The second they came up on stage, you could tell, okay, this is a professional band that's been doing it for a while with a very – very tight, tightly knit. And the, the, the second they launched into their first song, the whole place just went crazy, and it was awesome. And it's, it's very inspirational to see bands that kill it like that. Oh, yeah, they, they always level. bring it, man. They always yeah, they're really it. good. They're really good. But it also makes me think that these bands that were opening it up, you should have brought a lot more than you did because this is a complete missed opportunity. Exactly, especially when you open you up know? for someone like that and you know exactly. what kind of fan base they're going to bring. Like, dude, this is your time to shine. Yeah, and some of the bands didn't even make sense. I was like, why would Killswitch Engage fans even care to hear some of these bands? It's just some of these bills that these promoters put together, they're trying to bring all these diverse people together. That, that, that I doesn't know, work. Man. You know, put, put together three bands that everyone likes, and guess what? Everyone's going to come out to that rather than – you don't want people to look at the bill and go, oh, I want to see them, but I don't want to see it through all of that. Right. Or I don't want to just show up for this. Anyway, we, we could go on that forever. But Killswitch yeah. Engage were awesome, so that was, that was a great show. Anyone who – is a big fan of aggressive music. If they're coming through your town, check them out. They're really good. They have a new record coming out in March. A couple new tracks have been released, and they're, and they're great. So you're going to love that. Oh, yeah. Also, our friend Prince Bell has started a new channel for all of you Star Wars dorks. Oh, yeah, hey, man. I'm one of those Star Wars dorks, man. <laughs> if you're a but, serious Star Wars dork, you're going to like this. Prince Bell comes out with his Jedi robe and everything. Like it. it's, he already has 10,000 subscribers. I know. It wasn't like a few months. He's already yeah, got like 10,000 subscribers. I actually just went to check it out this morning, and I ended up watching five clips in a row. You know, he does yeah. a really good job. So Let me say this, man. I have to say this. There, are, I mean, there are a lot of like fan type YouTube channels for a lot of movies that I really like, but I can't really, as far as the movies that I like, I can't really get into those YouTube channels because half the time you have these these nerds or these these fans who just can't put two sentences together and it drives me crazy and so they're kind of all over the place it's not very well structured and right. you're you're pretty much saying like dude what are you even talking about or, did we even watch the same movie i don't even know what you're talking about right now <laughs> but you know here's what i love about prince's his channel man i mean it's well put together well produced and he's i mean the way he's putting together the content of the topics, it, he stays on topic throughout the entire thing. He doesn't go That's all right. over the place. Yeah. And I let, and even if you're not a Star Wars fan or a nerd or whatever, you're listening to this guy. He's like, wow, because he's very engaging with it. And it's like, yeah. so it's almost like you're being, it's almost like you've tuned in and subscribed to a channel from an actual Jedi. Because <laughs> you kind of find yourself being mind tricked into it. You just kind of listen to Prince's words like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm thinking like, I've never watched those 3D an the animation series of Star Wars at all but now yeah. he's got me all interested now because yeah. like the clone wars and all that i saw i said uh i don't want to see these bootleg looking cartoons man i actually want to see real people but now you know after listening to prince on these couple of these episodes i'm like okay you know what i might start checking this out now i mean i can't call myself a true star wars fan if i haven't at least watched some of these things so you know props to prince man so you guys should definitely go check it out um i'm trying to remember i, I want to make sure i yeah, give the urban, exact channel urban. 
Urban Acolyte. Uh, yes. That's A C O L Y T E. It's Urban Acolyte. You put that in. You know, Acolyte. It. Like it's not, it's X Men. You know. So for all you other nerds out there, you know how to spell Acolyte. <laughs> or <laughs> Star Wars fan. If you spell Star Wars, it would probably come up. Yeah, exactly. yeah if, you're a Star, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're really going to like what he's doing. And it's cool that he launched into it. He said he drew some inspiration from our show to pull the trigger nice. and get it going. And he's doing a great job. And like mm-hmm. you said, what I like about what he does is he stays on point. So if he mm-hmm. has a five minute clip, he's not all over the place. It's on <laughs> right. that. It's on that theme. Sometimes when you see titles, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then you click on it and <laughs> they don't even discuss the title. So it's, it's so random and it's all over the place. But he's he's very much on point. Oh, yeah. So he's doing a great job. Also, we have a lot of our listeners that are, that are doing a great job using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off some great products and nutrition supplements. We have Vashti Permal, Larry Long, Miguel Salinas, John Roberts, David Johnson, Donald May, Timothy Nevins, Gary Levin, Matthew Fultz, Kenneth Javes, Ben Marsh, and Ian McClesh. They're all using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around. Restorezyme to help you recover from your workouts. Recovery oil will give you a great night of sleep. And the testosterone booster, of course, to increase your sex drive, your mood, your training focus, and just get way better results. For the time you're putting in. Also, my new supplement, it's an adrenal energy, real energy developer. It's called RED. That stands for Real Energy Dominator. That's coming out at the end of the month. I actually just had the label sent over to the manufacturing plant yesterday. So everything is bottled, capped, ready to go. They just need the labels. So I'm looking at late next week. So this is basically the end of February. And that has rhodiola, maca, ashwagandha, and shilajit in it. And so it's a non-stimulant natural energy inducer it's incredible stuff and who doesn't need more real energy and most people wake up you're tired because we're all working hard we're all trying to get things done so this is something that's going to support your adrenals support real energy reserves and get you off all of those stimulants so check that out next week good man pretty cool and also some of our folks who are staying on point as well man by supporting us each and every month through patreon want to give them a shout on that vip list as well you know, shouts out to Jonas Sorderson, also to Peter Malazuski, Robert Russell, John Wetzork, Anthony Rodriguez, who I think is a longtime client of yours. If I remember yeah, you saying his is. name quite a few times. Yeah. Simon Knight, I believe another one that's on your VIP list. Corbin yeah. Thomas, Ben Buchanan, Steve Sampson, Hayden Stein, Mark Hannington, Tom Suttle, and Jim Beaumont, a longtime kettlebell sport athlete right there man so so i know our guest today is very familiar with jim as well so uh yeah you know shouts out to all you guys and ladies who support us each and every month on patreon.com that's patreon.com slash lla podcast we truly appreciate that man and all right, let's let's yeah, get this Corbin, ball rolling. Corbin's a cool guy that not only does he is he a supporter of the show, he mm-hmm. always shares episodes. He's always yeah. on Twitter lighting it up. So we really appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that. that man. That's another thing you can do to support us is leave us those reviews and share the episode, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you use. Yep. We appreciate it. Come all on. right, let's get to our guest. He's a good friend of ours. He's been on the show many times. He's a fan favorite. We've got Scott Shetler, author of Eat Plants, Lift Iron. How you doing, Scott? Good guys. How are you? How are you guys doing? Good man. Yeah, back, man. So yeah, you were you were yeah you were over at Westside recently, right? You and your wife went over to check out Louis Simmons gym. Uh, yeah, actually, it was just uh, me. I, I went with one of uh, in August of last year. I went with a swimmer that I'm training. Uh, he's trying to make the Canadian Olympic team right now. He's hmm. the he's the number one 50 meter freestyle swimmer in Canada. And uh, we went up to work with Lou back in in August. And then uh, actually, that's when I uh, had 
you know, sent you that that picture of uh, uh, Matt Brown's, you know, that that war wagon wheelbarrow device. Yeah, that yeah. Developed. And then I just went back a couple weeks ago with uh, some of the power lifters that I train. Uh, so we went up and did did some more training up there. But yeah, it was awesome, man. Very cool. You pick up some new tips. Uh, yeah, man. It's you know, <laughs> that guy's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. you know, one just being there is is insane because it's you know everybody talks how it's the the strongest gym and on the planet and this that and the other but being in there man you just yeah. feel like you're in the strongest gym on yeah, the planet yeah, right. you know, some big strong dudes walking around and and lou is just so open and uh you know just willing to work with you know anybody man if you go and you just give a shit you know that he'll he'll work with anybody that wants yeah. to make you know plan a visit up there and uh you know i've been a fan of his his methods for a while and i use a lot of you know his methods in my training with uh with the athletes and the the lifters and and such that i train and it was really cool just to uh have him kind of look at what we were doing and and just kind of solidify that you know we're on the right track but also to you know he's got this like expert eye man he can just look at you and tell you how to do something differently what you need to you know do to make this lift better you know what accessory movements you need to build you know what it is you're trying to work and i mean the guy's mind is just just it works like nonstop, you know. It's pretty freaking awesome to be around somebody at that level. Yeah, yeah. I was a huge fan of his way before I got into the business. In fact, he was one of the inspirations I had. One of the, him and Charles Poliquin and a few of Brooks Kubik, Pavel Sotsley, these were all people I was really interested in their information that inspired me to get on the path. Louis does 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 Louis use resistance bands on the deadlift? Uh yeah, yeah. He does. Okay. He's got a. Uh, He's got a platform uh, that he designed. It's like a frame that goes around a, a deadlift platform, and it's got some uh, bars on it that you can attach uh, various resistance to. And, and we were actually, when we were just up there a couple weeks ago, we did a we did a dynamic effort lower body workout. So after uh, after box squats, we did speed pulls against uh, doubled mini bands, which gives you uh, I think it's about 100 pounds of resistance at the uh, base, and then an extra 220 at the lockout. So, you know, for, for people that like, like me, you know, uh, I usually miss my deadlift up around my knees and stuff like that. So having that, having that extra tension come on right at the lockout is fantastic because it teaches you really to drive your hips through right. and, uh, you know, get the weight. And then also it's a fantastic, uh, grip developer. Uh, another, another way that we do it is where we quadruple a set of mini bands in our, uh, power rack. Uh, we've got one of those power racks that has the, uh, elevated, like the sumo base. And we quadruple mini bands around that, and we pull off either the number one, two, or three pin after uh, speed squats. And that, you know, that's a ton of tension real fast, like right at the top. I think that's another 220 pounds or so, depending on if you're using minis or obviously if you use heavier bands, you get more tension. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 fantastic for your lockout, fantastic for your grip strength. Like, like I've got a uh, a very light lifter. He's total of elite at 114, 123, and we're working on his 132 class elite. The guy's really mm. really strong. He's he's got a nine point nine one times body weight total. Uh, oh, I told wow. him eleven eleven hundred at one hundred eleven pounds body weight. Um, hundred eleven pounds. How tall is this guy? God, he's about, about four foot. He's about four foot ten. Okay, he's okay. Really that would have been yeah. really impressive if he's five ten or something. <laughs> <laughs> no man, he's he's four ten. But you know he's got small hands. So uh, you know he, he's a good he's a good deadlifter. I mean he's yeah. pulled. 455 in training wow and pulled uh, made 440 in a meet but he loses it you know he it's his grip his grip just opens yeah, up yeah, so yeah yeah so those those banded uh drills have really been helping him out too so 
I like the yeah. whole band stuff, the whole forced acceleration. Do, do you mm. find that you have less sticking points after you've been using bands for a while on deadlifts where the, the weight just goes from the floor to lockout much smoother? Absolutely. It yeah. teaches you it teaches you to accelerate. And, right. you know, so, sometimes people slam accommodating resistance because they're like, well, it only works for geared lifters because, you know, gear usually gives you support at the bottom of the lift, but then at the top of the lift, you know, it's, it's more it's more the lifter. And, mm. and that's, that's not the case. I mean, you're not trying to overload where your gear doesn't help you out you're trying to you're trying to oppose a strength curve you know you want right. that extra mm -hmm. tension where you're more mechanically strong you know yeah. it's the same with yeah. chains bands give you that like you said mike it's an active resistance chains right. are not you know they're not trying to pull you back down but they definitely accommodate the resistance much like the uh, weight releasers did yeah but uh you know you're just it, it does what nautilus machines failed to do Right. You know, not, not machines are harder where you're mechanically weaker and, and they, they give out where you're mechanically stronger, you know. So it's the, the bands do such a better job at accommodating yeah. the uh, anchor. I think Luby said something mm -hmm. about combining bands with machines, though, for bodybuilders. Because then you would get the best of all worlds. I remember it was a while ago. It might have been on Superhuman Radio. And I always found that interesting. So he's not someone who, who thinks machines are just a waste of time to be avoided. I think I think people get too focused on either or, right? Like, oh, old machines suck. Right. Just use free weights. And I, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, you, of course, free weights should be the majority of your training. But there is a place for machines. Exactly. They can be good supplementary tools. He's got, mm -hmm. he's got a ton of machines in, in oh, the yeah. gym. And like a lot of ones that he's developing, like his, uh, his new inverse curl – is insane man it's it's like it'll replace the glued ham rays i mean it's it's mm. it's i've never mm. felt anything like it on my hamstrings wow and then he's got this you know for people that this is going to be it's he's already launched it so I, I i feel okay talking about it but when we were up there in august uh he hadn't really launched this uh line yet but uh it's called his static overcome by dynamic line mm. and it's uh it's three machines one is his uh it's his uh that pendulum swing that he has that uh that plyo swing uh, it's a plyo swing. Uh, he's got like a Smith machine looking apparatus, and God, I can't think of what the uh, the other other machine that he uh, he has this for was. But basically, it's it's an air pressure type of machine. Where yeah, Nick Curson uses that stuff. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, what exactly. I thought of immediately as you were bringing it up. That stuff looks extremely interesting to me. It's awesome because you yeah. can set like two thousand pounds of uh, pressure on the bar, so you're doing a true isometric, and then at the flip of a button. You know, you could you could set that load to be thirty percent of your deadlift, and then bam, you know, you, you're you're you go from an isometric right to whatever percentage you're trying to do. So it negates the need for like two power racks where you're doing an isometric out of one, then you run over and you pull your, you know, when I uh, like he said, uh, Vrikashansky and, and a lot of the the old Soviet coaches and stuff were really into the uh the, that static overcome by yeah. dynamic type of exercise. He's yeah. got it all down to one machine, and it's awesome. But it's a uh, it's basically a Smith machine, so you know I'd, I'd imagine the uh, internet jockeys are going to have something to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you look if you look at Rafael Josanos training with Nick Curzon, he's a fucking beast, man. That guy's yeah. got some serious power. It's going to be really yeah. interesting, interesting with Connor, man. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's hard to bet against Connor because he's so good at backing up everything he says he's going to do. You know, you start <laughs> believing it. I mean, like right now, it's like why would you bet against him? Because everything he said he was going to do, he did. I'm sorry, like, precisely. I'm talking about Dos Anjos. It's like I don't know how you're going to beat that guy. I mean, yeah, you, you know how he could he could beat him just like you beat Aldo. But if someone like Dos Anjos gets his hands on you and he takes you to the ground, I don't know. If he can keep yeah. him, if he can keep Connor on the ground, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, I don't know how Connor's ground game is. I mean, his striking <laughs> is is next level, man. It didn't look yeah. very good against Mendes. Yeah, it didn't. His ground game.
But then again, maybe yeah. you got to wonder that he also saw the same thing. Like, okay, it didn't look good against Mendez. Let me work on this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, did, you guys, did you guys watch this season, this past season, the Ultimate Fighter, where he was uh, coaching against Faber? Saw some of some it. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I wasn't exact. I didn't know much about him going in. I, I just thought he was kind of a loud mouth and kind of a blowhard or whatever. You know, <laughs> I didn't really. True. Him, <laughs> that too. You, know, <laughs> so you, you were yeah, right on that. <laughs> the dude can back it up, man. And yeah. uh, I, I just, I, I get a little sick of the attitude sometimes. Like I know sometimes it's too it's much, like, man. It's too much. Yeah, it's like, so I, I never pay much. Yeah, I never pay much attention. But after watching that season, man, I mean, he really won me over. He's, he's a phenomenal. Uh, you know, he goes in on day one and says, "Well, you know, I'm not here to coach these guys. If you know, if you're coming to the show at this point, you need coaching. You know, you're, yeah. you're not at the level you need to be at." Right. And I, again, I thought it was this macho kind of blowhard stuff. But when he started working with the guys, he's a great fucking coach. Yeah. I mean, he's so Definitely. methodical in the way you know his uh, you know training without pads and just working on. You know, slow motion targeting and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it goes back. Yeah. Oh, if you can't do it slow, can't do it, slow, can't do it fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's phenomenal, man. Yeah. He's a great coach. It, it just just in, it seems like just an awesome you know all around guy. I mean, well, people that have met him one on one say he's really cool. So oh, but I, I, he's, I, I just a, he's just a very smart marketer. Like, but the thing is, the he's no different yeah. than you know the things we're saying about him now. Are the same thing people said 40, 50 years ago about about Muhammad Ali. You know, they yeah. felt they felt about him the exact same way. He still had that same belief in himself. He still he was a good marketer as well. And but the thing is, whatever he said he was going to do, he went in there and did it. And then and after that, it's just you really couldn't say anything else after that. It's like, OK, OK. And now this dude is known as the greatest. He's known as the greatest of all time. And the same people that, you know, that thought he got on their nerves. These are the people now that that revel and praise him left and right and say there'll never be another Muhammad Ali. So. You know, it just gets to that point because it's, it's always this thing about this is like an episode of Mike and I can always do about being humble. And people always try to say, you know, you need to stay humble. And I was just reading something and watching a video of that. I think it was like, uh, I can't remember now. I had posted it on Facebook. And people were somebody like, pretty much when people tell you, you know, you need to remain humble or be, you know, you know, you know, you need to have some type of humility. It's almost like they're trying to make you smaller than what you are in order to kind of bring you down to their level because they haven't reached their full potential and they don't have that belief system in themselves. So it makes them very uncomfortable when you, when you speak like they're like, Oh, he's just bragging. Like it's not bragging if you back it up. Okay. That's the one thing about it. You know, you're right sincere because you're you're right because often that's said in the tone of, Oh, you need to dial it back or you really think (laughs) you can make that happen. It's not like they're trying to tell you to be humble and you're making all this stuff. Right. They're they're, they're trying to put a roadblock into your process. Right. It's like, how dare you actually back up what you say? Who does that? <laughs> right. well, apparently, Connor does, man. Awesome, so. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's hard to bait against him against Dos Anjos. Sure. But one thing I've noticed about Dos Anjos is he's not letting Connor get into his head. Nah. It's not visible. Like that press conference, Connor's talking all this smack. <laughs> Dos Anjos is like, all right, we'll see. Just go ahead and keep talking, man. You're not going to let me talk, so just go ahead and keep talking. We'll, yeah. see, we'll see what happens. I just, I just hope it's a good fight, man. Yeah, I do too, man. Yeah, me me really too. Good. I hope it's not another fifteen cent. Yeah, actually, fifteen second win. I actually, hope it goes like yeah. the distance, man. Just, yeah, just yeah, that would be let good. it be yes. all out war, yes. so we can see pretty much everything that they have to offer as far as their skill set. You know, where everything yeah, gets tested—the ground game, their striking. You know, just the, the gamesmanship and just the whole mental thing. Like, I, I, I really want that one to go all five rounds. So yeah, yeah. if that ends in 15 seconds, I think I'll be done, man. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I went, I lived through this era before in the 80s with Mike Tyson. I'm not yeah, going through Mike this Tyson again, man. <laughs> no, it's just too anticlimactic. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Either side, when, when someone just wins 
But like the whole, well, like the whole Aldo thing is like he's like he just ran into Connor's punt. <laughs> like he just this. ran into. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was so eager to get out there. It's like boom, there goes this right in my face. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna stick my hand out and watch you run into it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he tagged him. He tagged him, but but or he ran into it. But I mean, when you watch the slow mo, yeah, and you watch Connor's movement and placement, man, that was that was beautiful. He was a matador, was man. He was a matador. Precise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, with oh, it happening, that that wasn't just like a fluke. Like Connor just happened to hit him right. It's like no, that was no. very precise strike at the right time. It's like, like you're doing exactly what I told you to do, and I'd be damned. So now I got to back up my promise. Yeah, it wasn't good planning on all those parts to charge him. I mean, you know, obviously. No, no. Not when he tells you that's what you're gonna do. Come on, man. <laughs> But, uh, well, that's what Connor is good though. Connor's so good at getting at the mental warfare. He has you beat on that front, right? So he's really good at just agitating the other person to the point where they're, they're not fighting the way they normally do because right. they're so emotionally invested now. Where I, where I don't think Raphael is going to make that mistake, from yeah. what I can see. No, nah. that's what's going to make it interesting. And the the strategy to beat Connor is there. I think Eddie Alvarez said that he's like, look, you know, the strategy to beat him is there. Like basically, the way that Eddie beats Anthony Pettis. It's not exciting to watch, but that kind of strategy would work against someone like Connor, from what I can see, where you yeah. basically just don't give him any space. You keep him up against the fence. You keep him on his back. You don't let him use those strikes. Right. So, like I said, it's gonna be, it'll be very interesting. So, just just don't want anybody getting injured before then. Let's not go through all that again. <laughs> That's another thing that kind of sucks for a lot of these fights that kind of get hyped up. Somebody gets injured and then it's put off and getting kind of tired of that, man. That's what I was about to say too. It was like, you know, <laughs> why, why does not tell March? <laughs> Let's just hope it hey, goes through. Yeah, we lost you for a second there, Scott. I've shut down. I, I got a message saying that that Skype decided to shut down. But but yeah, I was just saying, isn't that the uh, isn't that the card that uh, Holm and Tate are going to be yeah. on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be interesting too. Every, every, I mean, I think I think Holly Holm is going to win, but I don't think it's just going to be a cakewalk for her. No, I think Misha's got some pretty. Uh, I, I think her striking's pretty. I mean, I mean, I'm no, you know. Well, I, I uh, think her. Yeah, I'm no expert either. I'm just a fan. But I, I think Misha's strength is that her wrestling is very good and she's very tenacious. But so, then on the flip side of that, you know, I've been watching some of these clips with John Jones and Holly Holm rolling, you know, and doing jujitsu. I'm like, if she's rolling with this dude and she's handling her own with him. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and, and so I'm looking at that. I'm looking, and I think about Misha and who's at her camp. I'm like, ooh, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, Holly's in a, a, a lion's den of beast, man. You know, and no one gives anyone any slack. Not saying that anyone would do the same in Misha's camp, but it's just the track record of the folks that are inside. You know, Jackson Winklejohn. It's just like you're you're being thrown amongst the the, the wolves and the lions there, man. And you can't be anything but, no matter who you are, female, male, whatever. Yeah, you, know, you got to bring that. You got to go beyond the A game with some of those guys. Yeah, Holly's <laughs> such a great athlete yeah. in and of herself, and then when you combine that with the training camp and that strength is ridiculous, out. man. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, she was mug whomping <laughs> Rhonda, like you know, you know, like sit down, little girl. <laughs> Don't get up. Don't get up. <laughs> what do you think about all the powerlifting John is doing, Scott? Have you seen any of these John Jones clips where he's deadlifting six hundred yeah. pounds and squatting five hundred? It's pretty cool. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of the clips, and uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, he he's he's very strong, man. Like, and out it, of nowhere, too. It's like I just, yeah. it's like he just wasn't even lifting weights that much previously. Then all of a sudden, a couple of months later, he's deadlifting six hundred pounds. I remember he put up a clip deadlifting 450, and I was like, oh, I looked like he had a hard time with that. And then, like, maybe two months later, he's deadlifting 600 pounds. Yeah, just like, <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy is such a natural athlete. But, I, you know, the genetics are great in that family, though, man. Yeah, no <laughs> you doubt. know, his yeah, brothers yeah. as well. 
So. But that's the, uh, you know, I, I know we talked about it before and stuff. We don't really mm-hmm. need to get into it, but that, that really is like the missing link when it comes to the, the preparation for a lot of these fighters. I mean, they're just, mm-hmm. you know, they're just conditioned to death and it, it's always, you know, right. cardio and circuits and this, that, and the other. And none of them really spend any time. Yeah, I mean, God, look what happened to Matt Brown after he started doing all strength training and uh, Frank oh, yeah. Muir, you know, when he started yeah. training out there with your yeah. guy, you know, Mark Vegas, Delphi, uh, yeah. Mark yeah. Delphi, yeah. yeah. I mean, you need you need to cover all your bases, and and that means training. You know, your absolute strength, your your speed, strength, your explosive power. I mean, you got to. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be totally developed all the way around? Yeah, I'm not right. saying neglect thing. You know, like your cardio. Obviously, you need some, you know, cardiovascular conditioning. But I mean, God, how much of that are they getting through their their sparring and their other training? Exactly. Too, you know. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, just look at someone like Anthony Johnson. How much power he has, and and what an edge that gives him. He just, oh, yeah. I mean, if if you make it out of the first round with Anthony, you have a chance. But that's a big if. <laughs> and I think that that right there alludes to why I think so many are not trying to go in and really work on their strength and conditioning game because there's still that that old adage of you know I don't want to get too muscular and too strong because I'll gas out in my cardio, but. I think with the proper do with the proper conditioning, the proper programming, there's a way to still fuse all those things together. Sure. And, you know, the, the thing is, if you're worried about that, then you, you, you're worried about the wrong thing. You should be worried about I need to get a better strength and conditioning coach. You know, that's yeah, the absolutely. issue. You, so you're focused on yeah. the wrong thing. You know, don't worry about getting stronger. Worry about somebody programming it right. So therefore, you can get stronger and, and not lose your skill set in your other, in the other arenas that you focus on as far as your sparring. So. Just, oh, for sure. Just gotta I mean, just look how powerful. Uh, do you remember Shane Carwin? Oh yeah. Was the interview? Yeah. 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 <laughs> was, that guy was insane, and I interviewed yeah. him back after he beat uh, after he beat Frank Mir actually, and got the uh, got the interim title. You know, yeah. we were waiting on Lesnar oh, to come cool. back. So, uh, you know, he was a uh, he was a great football player in college. He, yeah. he was actually projected to go to the NFL. Uh, he was supposed to go <clears> in the fifth round in the NFL draft, but he had uh, hurt his back really bad. So, you know, I guess they were just looking at him like damaged goods, and he ended up not going. But dude, he. Uh, you know, that guy was always, you know, squatting and doing plyometrics and power cleans and heavy pressing. And, you know, I mean, he, he trained like a, you know, NCAA football player athlete. You know, I mean, that, that and he kept that strength training when he was training in, you know, for, for his uh, run through the UFC. I mean, the dude was yeah. a beast. And that's the reason why he ended up losing the belt, because someone else was on that same level. And that was Lesnar. You know, someone that's been through that NCAA training, someone that was big, but had cardio for days. But he was he's farm boy strong, just red beans and rice strong, man. And again, there's someone that pretty and still trains that way today. He doesn't even have to train that hard anymore by being in the WWE because he's a very limited schedule or whatever. But you can tell it's just like this dude still. It's kind of like if you've been doing it for so long, it's really hard not to do it, not train hard and, and not have that thirst to keep training hard, man. And that's what I tell folks, man, just get started. Once you get started and you're doing it right, you never you're not going to want to stop doing this, man. Even when you're yeah. 80 years old, you're still going to find ways. You're going to find excuses. You're going to find a rhythm to keep training when you're doing it correctly and you're pacing yourself and you actually put have some type of focus, some type of some type of. Something that keeps you going other than, hey, I just I just want to lose weight or, you know, I just want to bench 315. Okay, what happens if you do? What's next? Or what happens if you don't hit 315 by this goal that you said? What are you going to do then? You're going to quit? So that's when, like I said, when you have those goals set in place, man, and have a long term, it's where short term and midterm all put together. Man, you'll be doing this forever, man. It's just it's hard not to want to just even walk by a gym and not pick something up. 
You know, you're just in the gym. Oh, like, I, I got to do yeah. something, man. You just, or even just sitting in the house like, okay, I, I'm just sitting here. Might as well knock out about 20 push-ups. Well, hell, might as well knock out five sets of them. Hell, how many can I do without stopping? You know, you start just going through your head with that, man. And, and there's just really no rhyme or reason other than the fact that you've been, you've got a taste of what it feels like to be strong and you constantly want to evolve and keep testing yourself because yeah. that's what makes you a fucking human being. <laughs> you know, that's the yeah, thing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's important to have these just whatever performance goals are important to you and not 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 to be overly attached to them. Like you said, sincere, where sometimes people put so much weight on achieving a number yeah. that right. they either they hit it and it's totally anticlimactic or they never hit it. And they feel like, the, uh, why am I even doing this? It's kind of like that yeah, girl. So you've been that girl you were looking at in high school all that time, like, man, I'm going to get her. And then you get in like you hit it. And it's anticlimactic, like, okay, it wasn't all that. Oh, I love that you draw stories from these folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, we were talking about cougars, and, like, Sincere was like, yeah, you ever notice that they always buy you those old drinks? I was like, no, it doesn't happen that often to me, <laughs> yeah, Sincere. About it, right? Apparently, this happens to you all the time. <laughs> That was my old. They always buy you that. They always buy you that tequila from 1956. I was like, I don't know about it. I can't relate to that one. (laughs) Hey man, I'm just trying to make the show relatable to everyone listening. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, going back to going back to those goals, though, you know, you you don't want to. uh, you, You don't. You don't want your goals to overshadow the process, you know, because it really is having goals keeps you it keeps you on track. But it's really the pride. You know, we like training every day. You know, I mean, we we like it's you know, it's part of our daily routine. And whether it's, you know, uh, mobility, you know, I I love Mm -hmm. your your uh, uh, guest that you had on last week, you know, Vince. I mean, how he talks Mm -hmm. about how. Yeah, how mobility is like that's his morning, that's his morning routine or whatever. I mean, you know, we, we have these things that we do every day that that that's really it's it's the process. You know, that gets you to the goal. Just really make sure that you don't get off track, you right. know? Yeah. I mean, goals are fun, too, right? It's, it's fun to have a talk. Oh, sure, yeah. And also, goals are very empowering. When you when you set out to, to achieve something, and let's say it takes a year or, or more, and you actually hit it, you actually had the tenacity to stick with it and see it yep. through. That's very empowering because now you start thinking about, okay, what else can I do that I've always sure. to do? Where if you don't have a performance goal, you're, you don't really have purpose. You just go into the gym and you're like, oh, what am I going to do today? And, and <laughs> right. I, that, at least me personally, I, I don't want to train like that. Like no. Every time oh. I train, it's with purpose. It's like there's a goal for that workout, which is leading to a short-term goal, and that's leading to a long-term goal. Otherwise, nothing gets done. You're just spinning your wheels. Exactly. So, Scott, I wanna, when we were talking about Louie earlier, man, I want to talk about uh, another thing that you were working on. When you were out there, I think I remember seeing it on Instagram, um, as far as deadlift technique, where you were actually utilizing a chair, you know. So, you know, I thought that was very fascinating, you know, something I kind of wanted to kind of experiment with and just, but, you know, it's good that we have you on right now. So just talk to you about it first before kind of dipping and dabbing in it. And, and, but, uh, you know, I can kind of see how that can really benefit folks. So, yeah, man, if if you don't mind, just kind of elaborate on the whole chair technique. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was back when I was out there in uh, August with my swimmer. And Mm -hmm. the first day there, it was just, you know, Louie and I were kind of watching Carl train and he was, you know, he was asking me about, you know, what we're doing and giving me, you know, all the tips and stuff like that. But, you know, then on the second day we go back, I'm like, I'm not going to like come up here and not train. (laughs) Right. And, uh, I I said to him, I said, Hey man, you know, would you mind looking at my, uh, my sumo deadlift technique and, you know, giving me anything? He's like, yeah, man, go, you know, get on the platform, start, you know, start warming up or whatever. And, uh, so I, I set up the bar and I started training and then he, uh, he started working me up and, and to you know to the point where my form was able to start breaking down so he could see what was going on. He said, you know, you're you're pulling with your back and you're not using your hips. He said, so let me go grab that chair over there. I'm going to show you this chair deadlift that I, I developed. And uh, 
you, you want to set it up so that either a chair or, you know, we use squat boxes in here, just, just anything that you can sit on. Uh, you want to set it up so that, uh, your, you know, maybe your hips are about, a your hip crease is an inch or two above parallel, you know, and, uh, basically all you're going to do is set up your bar, get into your stance and you're going to pull the bar up and back as you sit back onto the chair. And as you're sitting, you want to arch your back, get your chest up and arch your back really hard for about two seconds. And, uh, what he had me do was about two or three of those two second, like holds really mm. working on arching the back and get the chest up. And then on the third one, you just, you don't stand up, you drive your hips forward up off the uh, chair and it teaches you how to use your hips perfectly in the, uh, in the deadlift. And that was, you know, that's one of my issues is when I start getting heavy, I start mm-hmm. driving with my hips first yeah. and I use my back to pull it up. And I'm essentially not, not with my legs totally straight, but I mean, you end up doing kind of like a, a Romanian deadlift in a sumo stance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this teaches you to keep the chest up and get your hips engaged earlier and drive your hips into the bar as opposed to pulling your, your back up. And it was just, uh, it was a fantastic drill. I mean, it taught me to use my hips better and, uh, you know, you can use it, you can use it as kind of a technique thing like that. You can work up to a max on it. You can, you know, use it as a, as a dynamic, you know, do some speed pulls with like 60% of your best deadlift. I mean, there, there's so many ways you can plug it in, mm. but it's definitely good. Uh, it definitely is a good teaching tool. Uh, for engaging <clears throat> hips, for sure. Yes, I mean, we got my interest for the fact that I'm one of those people, and Mike and I talked about this before, that, you know, especially from doing kettlebell sport for so long, I have such a freaking strong back, you know. So one thing I'm really trying to just really focus on when it comes down to my deadlift is really putting all the emphasis really in my hips and not having to rely on my back because, I mean, I can sit there and go for days with my back. And, you know, sometimes the people are like, oh, my God, you're back. I'm like, yeah. Seriously, I'm good. <laughs> now, I haven't had an injury. I'm good. So trust me, I'm very focused when I'm doing that. But like I said, I really want to f- focus on really getting that hip drive, man, and putting all the emphasis there and on that hinge <clears throat> and really kind of dropping, you know, really learn how to drop down eventually. Because I don't necessarily do the sumo stance. But one thing, you know, I by not doing that, I don't know, for, for some reason with my long arms, that sumo stance seems like it's almost like a waste of time <laughs> for me because with long arms, it's like, okay, I'm not really going very far with this bar. He did say even for his conventional pullers, he'll uh-huh. have him do those drills sumo Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he, he had one of his, I think one of his girls do, uh, you know, do those sumo chair deadlifts and, and actually train like her speed pull sumo and, mm-hmm. and you know, train the opposite way. And her conventional, she put like 20 or 30 pounds on her conventional pull when she went back to it, you yeah. know, because she was building up, obviously, her hips were weak. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, by strengthening up the hips, I mean, you know, that carried over to her conventional pull, so. Yeah. Louis yeah. talks about that. He goes, wide will will carry over to narrow more than the other way, the way around. around. yeah. So that's interesting. Sumo has never really felt that comfortable for me either. I've, I've, but I've, I've, I've really found the groove that works for me. So at this mm-hmm. point, it's just putting in the work. I mean, not to yeah. say that technique can't get better. Technique can always get better. But right now, everything feels really comfortable in terms of the groove, the placement, using your legs and back at the same time, which is something that Andy Bolton talks a lot about. But yeah, many, um, many people, what happens is they, they do kind of a, a segmented deadlift where they're they're driving with the legs and then the back kicks in. Yeah. Or they're pulling yeah. with the back and then the legs kick in, right? And he goes, yeah, exactly. you need to load up both at the same time. So now you're yep. using your legs and back. And that makes a lot of sense. And he's an incredible deadlifter. He's deadlifted over a thousand pounds. Yeah. 
So it's just fun hmm. working on stuff. But yeah, the, the, if, if you are a back deadlifter, it's always obvious. It's always obvious visually because you make the same yeah. face. Everyone who's a back deadlifter <laughs> makes the same facial expression. <laughs> you know, my back this hurts. My back's about to break. If your face is calm when you're lifting heavy, that's a sign that you're, you have a good leg drive, especially those initial four inches. Mark Philippi always said, the faster you are off the floor, you want to pull the bar so fast that it explodes to your knees. And then from there, it's the back pulls it to lock out. And that, that's something that's not easy to time perfectly because if you if you pull really hard and the bar goes nowhere, <laughs> then the only thing going up is your ass. <laughs> then you're doing a Romanian deadlift or you're, or you're attempting to. It's probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, Definitely. exactly. And that guy knows a couple things about the deadlift too, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a very good leg deadlifter. If you look yeah. at it, he has this picture in his office where he's in the starting position, and it looks like he's doing a parallel squat. Yeah. He has really big, strong legs, right? Mark's a strong squatter. So, and, if you, and then he has a clip on, on YouTube where he's demonstrating with the lightweight where he, just, where he really gets the dip and drive. That's one thing he always tried to teach me is the dip and drive, and I never, I never really quite got it until maybe last year when I started finally getting good technique on the deadlift, mm-hmm. where if you dip and drive, if you time it just right, it just feels great. The bar just explodes off the ground. That the faster the bar comes off the ground, the more confidence you have. If, it doesn't, if the first couple inches don't come fast, then – your, your confidence, at least for me, is going to go down the drain. Right. Sure. You know, uh, Kurt Karwoski uh, deadlifted like that, too. He was a big – he would drop his hips really low and almost look like he was in a uh, in a squat position. Right, you know, right. Get uh, the chest way up high, you know, conventional stance. And uh, he, he had that same – you know, he looked like he was squatting with the bar in his hands. You almost feel like you're going to fall backwards, like you're holding on the bar yeah, to stay in place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you exactly. don't you don't pull from there. You just start from there. You know, the hips come up and then you pull. And Mark's all about creating motion. He said the same thing with military presses, where you do that chest bump, right? He goes, the whole point is, you know, you pull the bar down and then launch it. You're just creating a little bit of energy that allows you to drive the bar overhead, as opposed to just pressing from a fixed position. Which, if you look at the way Olympic lifters, when military press were, or the press was part of the Olympic lifting competitions back in mm-hmm. the day, you notice that these people didn't clean 500 pounds and then do a strict press overhead. They cleaned 500 pounds, <clears throat> dropped the shoulders, chest bump, bam, and then the bar went yep. fast from start to finish. And that's such a natural fit, especially if you come from like kettlebell sport, Scott. So I know you can relate, especially, you know, just, yeah. we already have that chest bump anyway when we're doing jerks, which, you know, pretty sure that that came from those, those techniques from standard military presses from the Russians back then as well. But it just feels better than sitting there trying to just, just grind your way and get it up there, you know, so Absolutely. it was also such a natural fit. It gets you past the most dangerous part of the military press. Oh, right? yeah. Which is those first couple inches. That's yeah. where you're likely to have an injury. You're, you're in the weakest position. So the faster you can blast through that area. Same thing with the deadlift, right? The most dangerous mm-hmm. position is what? Those those first few inches off the ground. Yep. You don't want to stay you don't want to be the longer you're there, <laughs> you know, the worse it is for you. you know? yeah, yeah. That's when Mr. Right Murphy now. starts to step in, like I I'll, I'll spot you from the rest of the way. <laughs> you hit a sticking point and an inch off the floor, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> you hit a sticking point just below the knees or above, it's not fun, but you can power through that yeah just pinch clenching just going stand up at that point <laughs> so yeah, oh man. man so also you and i had a nice email exchange scott about joe rogan's episode <laughs> the, the producers for cowspiracy which yeah. I, I thought was a good episode and yeah it was pretty good yeah and and 
I think the part that Joe didn't get is when they kept on bringing up how grass-fed beef is really bad for the environment because he he, right. he understood factory farming and why that's mm-hmm. terrible, and he was totally in accordance. Yeah, yeah, he was totally in accordance with the guys. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yeah, I just think we need to move towards this grass-fed beef or organic, et cetera. And, and part of the movie explains how that is an environmental disaster as well. Right. well and, it, and it's almost saying. like he just didn't want to hear that you know, because it, <laughs> well, it, kept, it kept coming up. <laughs> it, it was, there was a couple things there because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, and, and that's when, you know, Kip and Keegan are like, well, look, you know, we're talking about factory farms, but that's not really what the – you know, we know that's bad, but that's not really what the the documentary was about. And and then when they talked about how, you know, everybody, you know, who, you know, wants to, you know, I'm 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 all for wildlife. I want to support, you know, wildlife and and this that and the other. And then they they say, why well, free range? It's like, well, what you're doing is, you know, that, that's actually worse for wildlife because it requires more more space. You know, so when they right. started pulling out those stats, it just it, it's like he used that opportunity <laughs> to go into the importance of hunting and and you know controlling like carnivorous animal you know like 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 thinning the wolf population all the stuff he started going off on this tangent you know it it really kind of got away from the 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 main part of the documentary but right right and hunting is way better than going to a factory farm but if every single person decided to use that method for their meat consumption there wouldn't be an animal left well and yeah and you already you know we have so many animals already thinning out as it is i mean just i mean just even without hunting itself just even just using palm oil and all your food you know you're already thinning out like an orangutan population no one's eating orangutan but you might as well be you know because i think like last year about forty thousand of them died last year just because of all the foods we consume with palm oil you know because they're having to pretty much deforest you know burn the forest where they're living and and in order to get these plants and all that so you know you might as well be eating orangutan you know as crazy as that may seem to some people you know according to the documentary you know conspiracy they talked about you know that they talked about the palm oil and for every acre supposedly of rainforest that the palm oil industry takes the beef industry takes 15 acres oh yeah yeah and these are stats that you know you're not aware of you know i mean that's definitely stuff that doesn't you know that that's not out there in front of people's face all the time so right well, of course, when you start looking at, some, you know, most of the companies that use it the most, you know, where like Pillsbury or someone like that, where pretty much every baked good they have is going to use palm oil and things like that. Well, you got to look who's behind that. So there's a reason why those stats are not being thrown out there because of certain of certain companies, it starts with them, that's protected, you know, by our government to not let those things get out there because that's that's bad for business. That's really bad for yeah. business. So yeah, that's, that was a great thing about the documentary was it really brought you know light to all that. You know now mm-hmm. you know after the documentary is all the fallouts, all the blogs about people mm-hmm. debating the statistics. It's like you know what <laughs> numbers aside, you know if the statistics are inflated a little bit or if they're underinflated, whatever. Numbers <laughs> aside, there's a fucking problem. Right. You know, right. Right. and it can't last. Not addressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's the, not, the status quo is not going to work. Come on, this, right, come on, like, you know, whatever, whatever the number is, if the number's not zero, then that number is one number too many. And it's not going to be sustainable, you know, and, it's, and, and to be selfish enough to like, well, you know, it's, at least it won't happen in my lifetime. Oh, so that's a big fuck you to your great, great, great grandkids, huh? Yeah. So maybe you should stop producing. I can see if you're someone that's never having kids and you could care less, you know, but anybody else is like, Still, wanna, I mean, come on. Give a fuck about the human population. <laughs> exactly. Or just off yourself in the process if you don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I need some of this polluted air that you're taking up right now if you don't give a damn, you know? So come on, man. Yeah, there's, right. a, there's a band called Fit for an Autopsy and they have a, they have a t-shirt that says, you know, do the world a favor, off yourself, you know, something like that. <laughs> 
like, A, I like the name of the group. B, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and find that shirt and buy it, man. It's it's something to the effect of protect the planet, kill yourself, or something like that. Could you imagine being the parents of that kid that comes home? Where did I go wrong? Oh, man. That's awesome. I'll have have to find the shirt online. Yeah, send that link to me. I think I'm going to have to go ahead and buy that, man. I'll buy it. It's a couple months ago. Because I constantly say that. That's why I just, it's just ironic you just brought that up because I say that all the time. I said, man, like, there's so many ways of human beings out there, man. Like, I saw this video where these poachers, man, have, like, they just showed this video. I don't know, if, Scott, you've probably seen it too, like, the last couple of days over the weekend. And there was this rhino to the point where these poachers pretty much shot him and then cut his horn out, but, like, pretty much almost all the top of his face, man. It was such a graphic video. That, I mean, it was one of those things where you're pissed off, you're angry, you're sad, you're feeling helpless. At the same time, you want revenge. It was all those emotions mixed up in one, man. I was like, you know what, man? Fucking human beings, I swear, man. It's just like yeah. this this planet would – the planet would not suck if humans weren't here. Sometimes, you know, those sucky humans weren't here. I'm not going to say all humans, but those sucky-ass humans weren't here. You know, but almost any issue – man, but it's like – that stuff needs to be out there. Yeah, it needs to be. And people are like, oh, my God, why are you posting this? Because of this. Look yeah. at it. <laughs> you know, yeah. would you have known? Like, like, yeah, the videos, are, the videos are reality. Yeah, it's like, yeah. would you have known about this had you not seen this gory video? I said, you can sit there and watch a gory, you know, horror movie or whatever else. You have no issue with that. But, you know, this right here, or you can watch a UFC fight where somebody's bleeding out for the most well, part. Well, I mean, the sad thing no is problem. people do have issue with fake violence. But when it comes to real <laughs> violence, many people are complicit. I mean, all the people that are talking about censorship, those yeah. are people who probably support factory farming exactly knowing our <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah who, gives shit about, who gives a shit about a rob zombie movie i mean that's right. fake. it doesn't matter <laughs> what happens in it. it doesn't matter what happens like in hostile those movies are graphic guess what it's all fake yeah, exactly. No, those are the reason why we have such a violent society is because of those movies. Like, nah, man, have you ever watched these idiots in a factory farm? Have you ever watched them? You know, go to work. Like, come on, man, it makes Rob Zombie's movies look like 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 Disney movies, like a Pixar movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know? and, I mean, to go back to the you know the, the hunting, you know, yeah. I mean, it's one thing. Like, if these guys are like Joe, you know, I mean, I know he hunts and he uh, he consumes you know the meat that yeah, he yeah. he kills or whatever. But like you know, you get these jackasses, these like trophy trophy hunters, hunters that yeah. Game hunting. <laughs> I saw a video of this. This oh god, it, it was this guy. Uh, he was like you know sport hunting. If it is a fucking sport, he had a lion up in a tree. Uh, it looked to be a female lion. I don't know. It didn't have a mane, but uh, mm. it was climbing up this tree trying to get away from this guy. You know, scared as piss. This massive like beautiful lion, and he's hitting it with a bow. And, like, it's got one arrow in it, and he's torturing this fucking thing. It's up in a tree, and he just keeps hitting it with arrows, and he's got this this fucking grin on his face. It's like, god damn, man. I mean, that stuff just, like, yeah. it, like, yeah. burns your fucking soul when you see right. that stuff. Man. Exactly. The fact <laughs> that someone takes pleasure in that. Yeah. That's, that's a sad commentary. Just, man. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I'll buy the, I'll buy the, hey, I, I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do to put food on my table. Okay, you know, if you feel like you got to eat meat. And you're willing to do it and, you know, whatever. I mean, if you've come to terms with that, at least, yeah. at least it's nourishing you, you know, to some extent. Right. We could debate, you know, you can get into the whole health debate outside of that. But at least mm-hmm. they're it, they're not just doing it to cut off its head. And, head and put the, the fucking head on a wall or something like that. What is the fucking point? You know, you come well, in. Well, the biggest myth is that they're like, all oh, the trophy hunting raises funds to protect animals in the wildlife. And that, Okay, do you hear how crazy that is? It's like you, well, you go mean, and kill the, the animal to protect the animals. Well, like Masimara <laughs> Park, for example, yeah. they make a lot of money off tourism. Right. So, and also, and they don't make that much off tourism either. So we don't want to look at this from an economic standpoint saying, okay, well, let's, let's make this profitable so that we can serve mm-hmm. these animals. You want to do it because it's the right thing to do. 
Yeah. Like you can't you can't make everything about profits, man, because that's when no one's going to give a fuck. They'll look at the numbers and say, "Well, this doesn't really add up," and that's mm-hmm. the, that's just the wrong way to look at it. Right, right. But the whole trophy hunting thing does not it, it does not lend a lot of cash flow to conservation. That's a big myth. No, big fucking myth. Not at all. Yeah, and then and then you, these psychos, you know, they they talk about you know they mount the head. Oh, what a beautiful you know what a beautiful deer that is, or what really. But, I, but know, here's the, here's the thing I always think about it's funny. Quiet, you know, what if the day comes where you just sit there and like, you know, we should start like take those assholes and you, you kill them and then you mount his head on the wall. Somebody comes in your house like, oh my god, what the hell, man? Beautiful <laughs> <laughs> human being that I, you know. I'm I, like, but I, look I, at I, him, man. Look at his cheekbones. Look at his structure. Look at those eyes. I mean, he's yeah. a specimen to behold. It's like, no, nah, there's a human on your wall. Well, what's the? I mean, right. what makes that so gory and unacceptable compared to another living living being well, I mean, who, who had no say so? I think, I think people need to clean up their own backyard. What yeah. I mean by that is, you look at people that got really angry about Cecil the Lion, and and, yeah, that, and I'm, yeah. I, I was glad to see people that angry right. because it, it was worthy of getting angry over. It. But how many of those same people had factory farm meat that night? <laughs> right, you know, support factory farming. So I mean, people that buy factory farming every day for twenty years, how's that better than some guy who who killed an animal in the wild? I mean, that's not great either, but at least right. that animal was in the wild. Right. Or Living the, his know, life. And the people that get bent out of shape about like the Yulin, you know, dog festival, which you know, exactly. is, is, is absolutely sickening. But I mean oh, yeah. you know, I, I see people on social media and people that I know who fucking eat meat, like like, you <laughs> know, and they're getting all jacked up about the diet. It's like, you know, what, hey man, man, you I mean, can't post. They look at dogs like you look at pigs and cows. Right. You, right. you can't sit there and post about, you know, that dog festival while you're sitting there wearing your leather jacket, you know, posting that picture on, on Instagram, you know, boycott you. And it's like, dude, that's you're wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> it's like come, at, at the same time, you so, want to yeah. support people wherever they're at. Right. 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 Oh, yeah, what yeah, you yeah. want to be is that dogmatic person going like, oh, you don't give a fuck about animals. You eat them. And it's like, I mean, right. even though that's true. Even though it's true that they're eating animals, that doesn't mean that, that, that <laughs> none of us started off down this path exactly. uh, organically, right? We all came to it at some point or another for various reasons. So you want to encourage someone on that line. So if someone's first step is, hey, I, I want to go help abandoned dogs and cats, et cetera, right. and they're still yeah. eating meat. But that's their first step, right? Then the second step may be a, a progression on that, and then you keep going. So I, I, want, I want to be inclusive and encur- encourage people where they're at rather than someone's going down a road and you're like, oh, well, why are you doing that? You do yeah, those. my thing is, you know, <laughs> my thing is really, you know, have a have the conversation. And a lot of times, man, you know, just at, do more asking than telling people, if anything, like right. well, you shouldn't be eating that, like, you know, or pretty much. No, 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 no. And also, my, like Mike just said, alluded to the first thing to do is let your life be the testimony and people right. are going to see what you're doing. And like, you know what, man, I seen you doing this and like. I'm really what's really going on with those rhinos, man, that you were talking about. And then they was like, oh, and then it's like, OK, look, I got a video right here if you want to see for yourself. And then they see it like, shit, man, I didn't know that was going on. That's messed up. What can and then next thing is, what can I do to help? You know, and right. that's 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 how it is. Instead of bashing, like I said, when you get organizations like and I, I'll call them out, the, you know, like with Peter, that they're sometimes their intentions are good, but their methods suck ass, you know, because it's not very for those who are not exactly where. Like right now, all three of us are in three different areas, you know, in, in, in this in this game, you know, of of being cruelty free and, you know, really going out there and, and being, you know, being advocates for all living beings. We're in three different phases right here. I'm right here in the catch up phase right here. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to sit there. We're not all three going to bash each other. Mike's been pretty much I 
doing this for like well over two, three decades, you know. So and again, but you know what? You know, one thing about it, what helped bring me here other than where my wife is in this journey, where Steve Carter is in this journey, you know, all this time, you know, I've known Mike for almost 10 years now. I've watched him. You know, say I've seen his life has been his testimony and don't think that I wasn't paying attention. But the thing is, again, like they always say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's the thing. So when that awareness is there, you're paying attention. And, you know, here comes Scott. And then, you know, so I'm seeing other aspects of my life that are making sense. Okay, here's the strength game. Here's how you can still be in the strength game, doing it right. And at the same time, also being conscious about other living beings out there and doing your thing. And. And so the same thing I saw with Mike. So I'm like, okay, I got two perfect examples right here on two separate sides of the spectrum right here. You know, like Scott came from, you know, pretty much I met Scott through the kettlebell world. You know, Mike's through the strength game. Like these are two aspects of my life. You know, then here's my wife who's like, you know, F a gym, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but then she's, you know, bringing, you know, she's bringing another awareness to me, you know, from her perspective. So I'm learning from it, but none of you guys ever preached to me. You're saying like, oh man, you need to do this, this, and this. You know, you guys just lived your life and I was paying attention. And that's how we learn from a lot of people. You know, I mean, that's how kids learn. They watch parents. So I always tell parents, you know, instead of trying to tell kids what to do, just be, be conscious of what you do because that's what they're learning from. And we're all children in some aspect of where we are in our life as far as learning something. To my, we're never 100% grown-ups. You know, you, no. you would hope not to be anyway, because being a grown-up sucks in some aspects. <laughs> because, you know, like now that we know, you know, got to take responsibility. Once you know, you got to take the responsibility. So that's the part about growing up. Well, that's, 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 the, that's the one good thing. That's one of the good things about PETA is that they, mm-hmm. they have done more to show the horrors of factory farming than any other organization that I can think of. In mm-hmm. fact, the first yeah. time I was exposed to it was through them. Yeah. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of a lot of their methods. There's no doubt about it. Right. But they, they were at the forefront of getting that out there because, right. like you, I was totally – I just didn't think about it. And then there was no reason to think about it right. because you're never really exposed to that information. You're just looking at a finished product on your plate. Right. Yeah. And a well-dressed up product at that. Then you realize, <laughs> then you realize like, wait a minute, man. That filet mignon doesn't look red like that all the time. But then you go back like, come on, idiot. You, t- you took biology. You know what happens to like a carcass just a day or so after that. You know, there's a reason why you have formaldehyde and all your experiments in biology, you know, in high school. It's like, oh, it's not all pretty and red and whatever else. It's like, oh, it's gray and green and yellowish. And who would want to eat that? So, of course, they got to dress the package up. So people, you know, a lot of times people are being duped. That's why a lot of times when we bring up these things, they're like, Nah, man, come on. It's not like that. <laughs> you know, because again, they dress it up for you. Of course, they can't sell the, the real finished product. They have well, the, I mean, one, one of the main <laughs> reasons why a lot of men won't give up meat is because they're worried about being made fun of by friends. You know, well, of I'm course. Talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about grown men here. I'm not talking yeah. about teenagers under peer pressure because he <laughs> yeah. decides to give it up. He goes to a barbecue. It's like, no, I'm just going to have this. He's, he's going to get ragged on. And I've had people admit to me, they're like, yeah. I just got tired of going to different functions and there's nothing to eat there. I was like, come on, man. It's my- it's like, it's like, I was like, you got to have a, I was like, that's the reason. You got to have a more compelling reason to go down this road. Right. You're not right. so easily dissuade. Exactly. You know, and, and there's also that, that whole thing about, you know, it, it's advertised that, you know, eating meat and drinking beer, that's when you're being a man. Yeah. <laughs> it's all these different things. It's just the marketing machine about that, you and know. What's funny, what's meat is what's for dinner. And listen to the guy talking. You meat is what's for dinner. Particular, two of the most estrogenic things you can consume right <laughs> exactly. there. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, a lot of those grains that went in the beer is also the grains that went into the cow that you're eating right now. So now you're getting like secondhand, you know, grains and estrogenic things going on. This so it's it's and you wonder why you're crying when you're drinking all that beer. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, well those are more uh, that that's that, that's good for you, Mike, because that's even more potential clients for the 
should be encouraging. Yeah. Like, yeah, go ahead, drink that beer, man. Drink that beer, man. <laughs> call me for some aggressive strength testosterone booster when you need it. Yeah? <laughs> <And> some EC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, EC, right. Some... Yeah, take one cap of EC for every beer you drink. There you go. <laughs> uh, sales go up tenfold. Oh, hell yeah. Hours. <laughs> Just have those at the bar every time someone orders a beer. Hey, take one of these. <laughs> have a bowl of uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah but some, some of the other interesting things mm-hmm. in that Joe Rogan episode is mm-hmm. like when Mac Danzig came up as, as an yeah. example of a guy who competed at a high level on a vegan diet and, and Joe didn't say it outright but he he, he, he insinuated that some people said that Matt didn't reach a high level because of his vegan diet when maybe he didn't reach a high level just because he wasn't good enough regardless when you look at his strength and conditioning he looked good he was strong and all that and so, I mean, why why is it your diet why, – why is it when a vegan doesn't achieve a high level? It's because of the diet. But think about how many meat eaters don't achieve a high level either. Yeah, the one ever says this. Well, his training uh, camp could have been better. Because he was eating horse meat the last <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he cut that horse meat out, he'd start winning. <laughs> how, could, how could you say that, that Mac yeah, – obviously Mac didn't wear a belt. But the guy won his season, the Ultimate Fighter. Right. He was in, you know, he had what seven seven year pro career, and a, and a good chunk of that was in the UFC. And and it, it's like, even though, you know, I mean, you know, we talk a little bit about that. Well, vegan, I mean, think about how many meat eaters at the amateur level never make it to the UFC. No one's ever going to say, oh, it's because of their diet. And, and like that vegan gains video where he says, you know, you know who else didn't, you know, ever make it to the championship level, Joe? All the meat eaters that Mac beat. You know, <laughs> right. Because of, well, was his diet superior to those those guys? No, it's just. I mean, you're talking about... It's, it's never this either-or situation. It's not this one thing for anything. It's for anything. Just like every... Even going to the recent fight, even with like Johnny Hendricks, you know, every time... And I'm going to go and say this. <laughs> I'm going to go and say this. Every time a fighter starts working with Mike Dolce, and, you know, I always notice that everybody makes a big emphasis on that. You know, he's changed his dieting, and, you know, he's, he's been working with Mike Dolce, and then some of these fighters end up... Recently, it seems like those fighters end up losing. So we're going to blame Mike Dolce now? Can we do right, that? Right, right. Can we blame Mike Dolce right. for the reason that Johnny Hendricks lost or Ronda lost? Can we do that now? Because if we use that same type of thinking that is being placed on Mac Danzig, you know, guys like that, then we can say the same thing about them as well. Like, oh, man, shouldn't have done a Dolce diet. You know, he'll never be the champion now as long as he keeps doing that. We can do the same thing. It's got nothing to do with diet. Obviously, exactly. these guys need to be consuming nutrients to fuel their performance. But, I mean, <laughs> when, when, you know, the further you go up the mountain, the fewer people there are. Totally exactly. The, the mountain's got the belt. So, right, you know, right. the, the, the herd and then thin and and for, for somebody if you, anybody gets into the ufc you're a great fucking fighter you know mac was a great fighter. and that's everybody a small percentage just alone fighter. by being in the ufc just like people that make it to the nfl you know all those kids playing pop warner ball right now probably only about two percent of them are going to make it to the nfl in their lifetime in that age group or compared they to talk about diet, they talk about dieting athletes athletes make up such a small percentage of the population i mean how big of, how big of the population is vegan you know let alone right, vegan right athletes. right I mean, it's it's probably the 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 same percentage of vegan athletes out there is probably similar to the same percentage of, uh, you know, regular people out in just in, in general population. I mean, there's just not a lot of people that are vegans, period, let alone <laughs> vegan athletes. But I think you're going to start seeing like, look at, uh, you know, you got Mac. Look at uh, uh, the NFL uh, guy, David, uh, David Carter, the 300 yeah. pound. Uh, the yeah, 300 pound vegan. vegan. Yeah. His career got better after going vegan. Yeah. You know, right. his health improved. His joints got better. He's playing better. You know, his this probably raised his stock in the NFL. So, I mean, you're going to start seeing, you know, more and more, especially on the strength and power side, there was always the endurance guys. You know, there, there, there's plenty of endurance, you know, vegan athletes. Like Scott Jurek, the, uh, hands down the best, you know, 
distance run ultra distance runner on the planet you know he's vegan yeah so i mean is it so i mean we, we did there's plenty of the endurance guys but look you know now that you're starting to see strength and power as a like patrick baboomian and and uh you know it, well it, here's what that's doing up, uh, oh, but so here's what that's doing also these guys also breaking another myth that you know you gotta have protein 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 meat 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 yeah. you know you got a lot of these guys who have a very carb heavy diet and now carbs are not the enemy because now their performance is a lot better the strength is going up and they're not they're not dying from carbs they're, they're not having right. diabetes or heart attacks and all this other stuff so now things are you know makes people kind of look at carbs and like wait a minute maybe carbs are not the enemy they never were the enemy a nutrient is never going to be your freaking enemy okay just the, you can't pick one nutrient like ah that right there yeah, that guy right there, that freaking fat. <laughs> Between white processed sugar and and and, uh, and and brown rice, you know, I mean, it's right, a company, right. man. You know, everything gets lumped under the carb category to the point now people are telling you to avoid fruit. Because <laughs> I know that's just, <laughs> which fruit is bananas, is literally. Yeah, it's like, it's like that's the reason why people are obese: from all the apples, and all the <laughs> oranges, and pears. <laughs> it's not all the Big Macs, French fries, and you know all that bull or pizza. It's it's definitely you know it's definitely that banana. You just, you just had one too many fruits, man. man just cut I out got, five grapes. Hey, man, I got I to gotta lay off these. I got to lay off these melons, man. These strawberries, man. Give me a gut. I got to do something about this. I got to do something about the strawberry belly I got, man. And, and the other thing that that I loved, you know, and when they brought up, uh, you know, Carl Lewis. Oh yeah. You know, first thing out of first thing out of Rogan's mouth. Well, you know, steroids. It's like okay, well, what about all, what about all the meat eaters that you? Yeah, see, you I mean, know, everyone is using anabolic right. stage of the game. Yeah. It's an equal yeah. opportunity employer. Trust me, it does not care. With a diet, I mean, all all the all all your diet does is give your body nutrients. I mean, they they all use performance enhancers at the highest levels. So it, it's like any time a vegan does it, you know, it, it's it's steroids or there's some excuse. You know, I mean, it's just you know they they need to drop that bull. You know, that's the thing that pisses me off. It's not the whole. It's not the whole. Uh, you know. Well, you know what diet's better—the vegan diet or the paleo diet or, or whatever. You know, I, I don't give a fuck about that stuff. It's just like just recognize at the scientific level. You know, I mean, it, it, you're getting amino acids. You, you're either getting them from the plants themselves, or you're getting them from the animal that ate the plants, and that's why it's in the meat that you eat. It's like, right. come on, you, you know, people aren't eating carnivorous animals. They're not eating lions and, and exactly. other animals. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Eat other animals. They're eating animals that eat fucking plants, or something. And, and, and even if they were, those carnivorous animals are eating animals that were eating plants. Exactly. Right? <laughs> it's always funny. Like, even like, well, you know, you guys, you're gonna have B12 deficiency. I'm like, um, the food you get from a factory farm, that's a B12 deficiency. And trust me, it's not like it's, they're being they're being fortified with B12 on that factory farm, just like I'm fortifying myself directly with B12. So at least I'm getting my I'm getting right to the source. I'm cutting out the middle animal here. So you're getting down a more broken down because it's not like you got very rich soil. Um, in, in this Western country of ours, where it's producing like just rich B12 soil after all the crap that's going into it now and the runoff and all this due to a lot of factory farming. So there's don't, don't even give me that excuse, you know. <laughs> there's nothing special in flesh that you can't get from plants. All it is is a more calorically dense yeah. nutrient delivery system. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Mike, when you have Dr. Uh, Dr. Garthon, he'll, he'll yeah. talk a lot more yeah. about, you know, stuff like this, but, you know, what's interesting is when you listen to him and you listen to people like Dr. Michael Greger, whose book, uh, How Not to Die, Die Fantastic, yeah. by the way, uh, when you listen to him talk about, you know, back around the turn of the century, we, we, we didn't have this longevity problem that we had. Well, it's not really a problem, but I mean, people were dying from infectious disease, not chronic disease. And malnutrition was an issue. So you were looking at how can I get the most calories in my body per bite? Well, meat and sugar were great for that because they're very calorically dense. But now that we're living, you know, what, what did they call, 
you know, the, the rare instances of diabetes and, and cancer and stuff like that, they call them diseases of affluence because mm-hmm. the, the affluent people who could eat, you know, more food and more calories and, and you know, live longer, they suffered those diseases. Yeah. You know, so now we've got this issue with longevity and we're not dying of infectious disease left and right anymore. You know, we got better medical care nowadays. It's, it's chronic disease starting to become a, a, a bigger issue. Yeah, well, the thing is, those diseases. Delivery system for nutrients. Right. Yeah. A lot of those diseases that, you know, people were dying from before, let's just say like this. Yeah, people were dying at a much earlier age back then, but now you're just dying slowly. Now it's just, you just kind of put like a chopped and screwed mode of whatever ailment that you have. Now it's being prolonged. It's just stretching it out. So my thing is, okay, yeah, so people were dying around 35 and 40 years old at, you know, the turn of the century and blah, blah. But yeah, but a lot of them lived a, a full life. They were thriving and, and sometimes it was just things that popped up, black plague, whatever else. But now you got people living to be 80, 90 years old now. But how much of those 90 years were they actually thriving and living? Right. You know, it's, guess what? A lot of times they stopped thriving when they were around 30. So guess what makes them any different than the person yeah, 200 they, years they, ago? They may have never thrived. Exactly. Yeah. So people <laughs> have never been in a thriving So, yeah. So what yeah. makes them any different yeah. than the person that lived two and 300 years ago when you're pretty much to my mentally and emotionally or whatever, you died at the same age that that person died physically, you know, 200, 300 years ago. So what's the point, you know, if you're not thriving at that point? Why, why do I want to be 85 years old in my life? totally sucks and i just wake up pretty much like oh well another day you know it is what it is come on man that's not a living so what, what's the point unless somebody just goes out there and just really thriving out there so my thing is since you've been afforded these extra years now thanks to all these advances in science and technology and all that dude don't don't take that lightly utilize that run with it that's a you know that's a gift take it <laughs> you know go for it sure well, you know, and I mean, and, and then the, the paleo people all like to, to, you know, chime in about, you know, well, you know, paleo man, you know, we've been eating this way forever. You know what? Paleo man didn't give the fuck about health. And, and, and he gave a fuck about that saber tooth tiger that was after his ass. That's he what he wanted to survive, man. You know, they, they spent their days, their, their days were spent gathering food for survival. They would have eaten anything. Yeah, you would that eat they, anything that, you came across. If they came across exactly. a, a storehouse of grains, <laughs> they would, if someone, someone, <laughs> Took a time capsule and sent twelve loaves of bread back in time, and they came across. <laughs> and, you, and you give them a bite of it, they're like, "Whoa, what the hell is this?" <laughs> yeah, so. but they're eating for survival, not performance. Right, right, right. And yeah, and I always laugh at that whole we. You know, when they start bringing up the whole weed thing, and I was like, you know, you you really need to do your history and track, and, and then also know your audience, because a lot of times that weed you're speaking of doesn't necessarily pertain to everyone. You know, so that's the thing. Right. So really look at that, your paleo man, and look at other societies that were going on way before that time. Really do well, your well, history. Well, I always say, I mean, who cares? What who gives a damn? Who, who hi, yeah. Yeah. Look, dude. I don't, I don't care what people did back then. It's like, let's focus on what we can do now. We have way more information ever on nutrition. So let's exactly. use that to determine what's optimal now as opposed to what people did Amen. a thousand years ago. You know? When I open up my yeah, back door, exactly. when I go out of my, in my backyard, there's not a freaking mastodon or a saber-tooth tiger sitting there right. waiting on my ass. <laughs> so, so I'm not worried about what went on way back then. Hell, I don't even have like a giraffe or a wild elephant in my backyard. I can even go a little bit more toward my own culture here. I'm not worried about those things, man. I don't have a, like a warring tribe coming after me right now. None of that stuff. So, like Mike said, I can focus on right now. Let's let's get off this whole. Well, this is how we were before. Well, if that's the case, then let's you know take. Why are you so overdressed? You know what? Just throw on a cloth, dude, and just let's yeah, just walk around. around. <laughs> you know, somebody paleo man and dressed like that. He wasn't wearing like these hundred dollar weightlifting shoes. Come on, man. He wasn't wearing yeah. shoes. So what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop going to the gym, man. 
Don't, don't drive your don't drive your Escalade down the Whole Foods. You know, put on your loincloth and, and start hoofing it through the woods if you really want to. Yeah. No, nah, don't put on the long the loincloth, man. You know what? Just <laughs> certain things. Just leave that out. <laughs> So, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's why I mean, with all these arguments, the truth is always in the performance, right? And like, there it which, is. Which, yeah. which is why, as Sincere said, when you mm-hmm. see people that are thriving, that's more powerful than, let's say, me pitching you on something at dinner. Right. And you're right. going, you're going, yeah, you're saying all the right things, but, but. You're looking, looking at you, it's, 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 you don't paint a pretty picture for what you're saying. You know, that's why I always tell plant-based people, I go, look, the most important thing you can do is be just the epitome of health, man. Be a, be a healthy, thriving person, sure. so that every time you meet someone, they're going, man, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to learn more about it. Right. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's the difference between plant-based, plant-based and vegan too. You know, I mean, yep. a vegan diet can be anything, man. That's not, you know, I mean, it can be. Oreos, French fries, and beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're all vegan. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're eating a whole food plant based diet, chances are you're going to be in pretty. Uh, yeah, you want to you want to be compassionate to yourself as well. So yeah, I, I I appreciate the sentiment of I don't want to kill animals, so I'm going to cut that out. But make sure you're eating healthy too, because yeah, we, exactly. we want you to stick around. We want you to be healthy and feel good. Be compassionate to yourself. Yeah, too. like you said, Micah starts at home, so it's like you know you got to you know fix yourself first, man. You know, for you can't you can't go out and save the world or try to save the world when you're pretty much running on empty the entire time right. you know your energy you're not gonna have the energy to go out there and, right. and fight for them it's not gonna right. happen you can't fight for yourself right now so keep that and that 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 goes with any diet that you're participating in no matter how you're eating you know you need to think about that too it's like you know man i got to really take care of myself i if you're sitting there thinking like okay i don't feel that great and it becomes a consistent reply you know and a consistent feeling hey man get on it fix that Fix it, because you're not doing us any favors by walking around here being all humdrum and barely making it. You're kind of in my way. You're the guy that's driving very slow on the freeway in front of me because you get your brain's all foggy. So you're making me late to where I need to be. So you're affecting someone some way somehow. You're you're running up health care costs, which is running up my taxes. So you are affecting me by not taking care of yourself. That's the thing about So help me out, yeah. man. Help me out. I'm helping you out. I'm doing my best to make sure that I'm not a, a burden on you emotionally, financially, or whatever else. And so I expect the same, you know, to one to others. <laughs> so. Well, you know, the, the other thing, too, Mike, uh, about the, uh, the episode, you know, right, right as they were wrapping up after all this talk about the, uh, the athletes and optimizing performance mm-hmm. and all this, you know, back and forth. I mean, I, I do appreciate, you know, where Joe said, you know, I'm not really the right guy to be talking about this. So he did kind of admit that he was a little, you know, he, he he's not really as far as having the knowledge and stuff like that about human physiology. I mean, obviously, right. he's right. regurgitating stuff that he's he's kind of bought into because it, it aligns with how he eats. And, you know, on the flip side of it, Kip and Keegan, I mean, I, I think they did OK holding their own with that kind of stuff. But, you know, they're not. No, like, they did. You know, and, and, and to be, to, I mean, also, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that Joe has Give a platform. Yeah. And, I, and I've met Joe in person and he's a very nice guy. He's a very cool guy. He's always been very complimentary of me on his show many times. So I feel like Joe's an open minded guy. That I was just about to say that. Who's, who's the tell? You know, he's one of those guys. He's very curious by nature. And who's to say, you know, after talking to those guys that he didn't start looking to it a little further and you doing more research on it. And who, who knows? They set it up. You know, they said, well, we're not really the right guys to talk to either. You know, what you really need is to get somebody on. And, and he's like, well, who should I get? And they're like, well, you know, Dr. Garth Davis is a good guy. And they, I think they threw out a couple of the other, you know, maybe it was like Neil Bernard or some of the other mm-hmm. you know, right, good right. guys. Plant based side of the coin. And and it seemed like he was headed toward okay well and who could I get from like the the paleo world or whatever to come on and ha- it seemed like they were headed towards a debate you sure. know maybe getting yeah. some guy and, and what would we end up with 
Mark Sisson the next week by himself, and you know, Joach <laughs> yeah. sounded fucking mystified every time he opened well, his mouth. I'm like, are you he, kidding he me? He loves hearing what Mark is saying because it's what he wants. Yeah, to hear. So it, like, it, it validates it validates his yeah, current his we're current doing state. Something and someone reinforces what we're already doing. We're like, oh man, this is great. <laughs> Come on. Get, get one of the other pros on it. Well, unfortunately, you know that kind of spiraled on uh, Joe's Twitter feed and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Doctor Garth got pulled into it, and. Uh, Another big guy in the paleo community, you know, Rob Wolf got, you know, mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know that, that mm-hmm. Dr. Garth has some back and forth with Rob on Twitter a little bit. And I think he was saying, hey, you know, it looks like we could possibly have, you know, be, be guests, you know, on the episode to do a, do a debate. You know, and, and Garth's bringing this from a scientific standpoint. He's like, look, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've gone through the research. I've got my science. You know, I, I know you do, too. Let's, let's get out there and talk. Let's bring the stuff out there. Let's, let's, you know, go back and forth and have a real, you know, honest professional discussion debate yeah yeah and then let and, the people and, decide because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day inform people, inform people. let them make their own de- present the best that you got and let people make their own decisions and stuff like that and unfortunately you know how things go on uh <laughs> twitter online, you know, <laughs> yeah. comes out of it so yeah i mean there, there was there was some silly back and forth there as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, well, you know, you, you take Rob Wolf, who I, I don't know much about because I'm not in the No, Rob, Rob's been on our show before, and I, and I mm. like Rob. I know Rob personally. I think Rob's a really good guy. I think sometimes I think sometimes he's just fucking around on Twitter. It's like, hey, let's grapple <laughs> afterwards and stuff like that. He's just trying to be funny. And, well, I mean, and, and sometimes not- sometimes in social media you don't know how things are perceived, but at the yeah. same time <laughs> – I mean, I mean, if you're going to use that argument, then you can say, okay, I want you to go run a marathon, triathlon, that Dr. Garth. Yeah, that's or, that's you know, go James grapple James with Mac Danzig or one of the Diaz brothers. Or James, James Wilkes. <laughs> you know, James yeah, Wilkes. James Wilkes. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, some folks who. Nutrition <laughs> yeah, okay, well, after the debate, you know, you've got to grapple with me. <laughs> okay, what, you know, that, that's happening. No, it's so just silly. It'd be like me arguing with an astrophysicist saying we're going to talk about the universe and then we're going to go deadlift after and whoever wins that, you know. That's when they, that's when they won the argument. <laughs> Are we debating gravity, Mike? What are we doing here? (laughs) Well, and I mean, Rob's comment, you know, I mean, some of his comments were just ridiculous, like, you know, debating with a vegan. Oh, he said something to the extent of debating with a vegan is like debating with somebody who believes the world is flat. And, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're talking about how you're coming from such, you know, all, you know, you're this big science guy and this, that, and the other, you know, get in a debate with the guy, you know, I mean, Garth's thrown out, you know, his research left and right. It's like, you know, get into a debate, you know, get on a neutral platform. I'd right. love to. I, I know nothing about you know Pele. I, I'd love to hear what he's got. You know, I right. I, I, I would love to learn more. I, I'd I'd love to know, you know what what the what their research states and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I I'd, I'd want to know. I think that'd be a fantastic debate. Much better than, you know, Mark Sisson telling stories on the the Joe Rogan podcast the, the next week after. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, we're gonna have Dr. Garth Davis in our show. He he wrote a book called Proteinaholic, which is really good. I'm, I'm going to have to go Very back important. and I, I read through it fairly quickly when I first got it. I'm going to go back and reread it and really absorb it before he comes on the show in April. But th- I think that would be a really interesting debate for sure. But, yeah, you know, but the thing is, is that people are going to do what they want to do, no matter, no, matter, no matter what they hear. Yep. So it's but it, but it, but it, but it, it, it is useful for those people that are kind of on the fence, right? That's where these kind of debates are most useful, where people are going, ah, I'm leaning towards this way, but I just mm-hmm. have some concerns about this, this, and this. And then someone comes along and presents some good information, and that quells those concerns, and now they can push forward. I, I just, I, the, the info that I would just wish you know people would admit to is, A, that you do not need to eat meat. You know, you, you choose to if you want to eat meat, fine. That's your choice. Right. But you you know, I, I hate the whole brainwashing. You need 
to eat meat. No, you right, don't. Right, right, right. Be honest about that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, you know, don't say, oh, it's so hard. You know, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, it was a lot harder being vegan. But nowadays, it's so much easier. You know, d- don't talk about how hard it is to be because it's no, not hard. No, what it is, right? it's hard to give up that drug, you know, of, of eating right. that way and, that, and, and giving up that drug of that, that habit that you've had, yeah. you know, pretty much maybe most of your life. And a lot of times that drug that's within those foods that you're consuming, <laughs> you know, that's another thing because they're making it where it is. They're making it where it is hard, especially with a lot of, you know, right. the thing, the conventional way that food is being produced. They're making it hard for you to give it up and you don't even realize it. So that's the thing about it. So, yeah, but and. Don't say that, okay, I, I need it. Just say, I, I really want this. I really want yeah, this. But for some reason, that sounds wrong. It's like, oh, I don't want to seem like I have a relationship with it. But then you do. Right. You do when you say you really want that. And somebody, you need air. <laughs> Last time I, you know, I saw, nobody put a, like a meat oxygen mask over your face whenever you like lost, lost air or something like this. So you don't necessarily need it like that. So you need oxygen. Well, I mean, the problem <laughs> with a lot of people is that food is the highlight of their day, right? They have jobs yeah. they don't like. They, they have relationships they're not enthusiastic about. They're, they're just not happy campers. And this is a lot of people. So they gravitate towards, I'm going to eat this for lunch because it makes me feel this way. Or I'm going to eat this for dinner because I like the taste of it. And I'm going to go have a couple of drinks on Friday and to this, escape. And I can't wait to have dessert after dinner. But even though they haven't even brought out the appetizer yet, you're already thinking about dessert. So then it reinforces their... Right. Their inertia, their relationship, eating garbage yeah. that's not giving them any real energy, so right. they're in this fatigued state all the time. You're not yeah. going to make any positive changes in your life when you're <laughs> in just this state of fatigue constantly. Oh, that's yeah. And so and when it's you, it's like that on the, it's like that on the vegan side of the coin too, man. I mean, right. you can be oh, totally yeah. unhealthy. You can be a totally unhealthy vegan. I mean, there's there's some amazing you know vegan junk food out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got this great place hey. here in Atlanta, Revolution Donuts. You know, I mean, it, hey, yeah, we got Reverie Bakery in Dallas, yeah. man. That place is like a crack house. It's like we'll go yeah. in there and like spend all this money. Like, what did we just do? <laughs> and the thing is, you, yeah, you, <laughs> and thanks, Jasmine, for that suggestion. Yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you you want to infuse I, I, instead of telling people to cut stuff out of their routine, right. I always say add all of this to your routine, right? Just add all of this stuff in. Buy fruits and vegetables, et cetera, sweet potato, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And what happens is, is that that starts pushing other stuff out, out. organically. Yeah, you just don't have time. You don't have, you, well, you don't, you don't, you don't feel the need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just ate all these things I told you to eat. And I'm like, yeah, you can go eat that other stuff too if you want it, but you're not going to want it after a while. Because when they load up on on foods that have a lot of fiber and, and a lot, you know, I mean, all, all that stuff. Yeah, you eat a bunch of fruit, vegetables. You know, you're not going to want starches. This is like, dude. <laughs> You just, I mean, you're not even trying. Those are pretty much to go meals, too. You're not even like finishing the whole thing because you're so satisfied and so nutrient dense. Whereas everything else is like, okay, five minutes later, you're like, okay, you're already thinking about the next meal. And you're like, okay, how much time do I have before I take this nap and then wake up and go eat again? <laughs> because you're not, and, and, you're not nourished. And, and the problem with the vegan junk food is people often frame it like it's somehow healthy, which it is. Exactly. Like <laughs> so people say, oh yeah, it doesn't have any animal, yeah, animal products, so it's healthy. It's it's healthy. <laughs> like no, it's, this is this almond cookie is pure sugar, man. I don't have any illusions about. Hey man, those. If you're going to eat it, you eat it knowing that. Thank you. This is not something that's adding any energy. Hey man, those cinnamon that. roll and red velvet Oreos are still Oreos. Okay, right. that's the. At yeah, the end of the day, if, just, I, if I want to eat a donut, I'm not, you know, I, I, I want to eat a freaking donut. I'm not doing it because yeah, I'm not looking for nutrients. I'm not going 
the ingredients and trying to find how much protein is in this donut. I'm like, it's a donut. I'm just trying to make sure there's no animal products in the donut. I know what it is. I'm going to accept it for what it is. It's a damn donut. Okay. Right. So it's not going to be the miracle worker that's going to help me, you know, raise my deadlift by five freaking pounds this week. You know, you know well, I will say though that you know, having done this for a long time, things have changed a great deal since let's say 1994. Like when I first heard about plant-based eating, I mean, I was, yeah, I was a vegetarian since I was 15, but I was still eating some dairy and eggs and so forth. I never even knew what a vegan was until I moved to Oregon for a year, went to Lewis and Clark College, which was very progressive at the time. They had a lot of vegan options even in the school cafeteria. This is 1994. Mm-hmm. Things have changed a lot since then. Where now, like you guys said, you can walk into a restaurant, there's vegan options. But more importantly yeah. than that is there's a lot of good information like your book, Scott. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff wasn't around back then. You, uh-huh. you just had to figure the shit Bring out it on out. your own. Yeah. <laughs> and most people who tried failed miserably, and then they just gave up and said, I guess this doesn't work. And because I did it for animal compassion reasons, mm-hmm. I, I was very committed to making, to finding a way to make this work. Right. right. Willing to go through the trial and error and so forth. And when I started eating a lot of legumes and nuts and seeds and real foods, I started mm-hmm. feeling really good. And it took a little while to adapt to the transition. So that's why I always encourage people, don't feel like you need to do this overnight. Yeah, be patient, man. You can be gradual yeah. with it. Just cut things out. Go at your own pace. Some people, some people will do great cutting everything out and making that switch. I think uh, Sabina Scala said she did. She made a bet with one of her clients who's who's a vegan. He's like, oh, you, you're not going to be able to do it for a month. And she made that bet, and so she just went vegan overnight with the intent of just doing it for a month and then going back to what she was doing. But she felt so good during that month, she never ate meat again. You know, she's been, and that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So there's going to be examples like her, and then there's going to be other examples of people where it's too much too soon. Right. So it, it, it more my my brother was like that. He just cut things out gradually a long time ago, and then he's been doing it for a long time since then. Well, it's like you said, you know, start adding more, get more plants on the plate. You know, just start adding. You know, don't. It's like you said, don't don't even think about cutting stuff out. Start right, getting right. more plant foods in, and then it's naturally going to shift. You know, as you as you do that over time, yes. and and at any time people. You think about what am I cutting out? They go into that that diet panic mode. Exactly, oh God, I like I can't I can't have this anymore. I'm like, okay, didn't you, well, you right. quit thinking about without, time, right? Like trying trying to get guys to stop doing curls. You know, it's, it's kind, of a, kind, of a, kind of a similar conundrum. So what do you say? It's like, look, go do your squats first, go do your deadlifts first, and then yeah, you can curl. hit some weighted pull ups, hit some overhead presses, some chin ups. Yeah. By, by the time they do all of that, they're ready to fucking go. You, you're not you're not thinking if about. You still want to do curls? Do curls. No, exactly. tomorrow or better yet, tomorrow when you do those pull ups, do chin ups instead, and you. You thinking about those curls because you're looking like, wait a minute, my biceps are pumped up. I haven't done my curls yet. You're like, aha, how about that? Right, you're like, you weighted ring pull ups, believe me, your arms are blowing exactly. up. Exactly. Overhead presses, your shoulders, your triceps, it's all blowing up. You care less about heavy curls. weights and right amount of sets. So, but, but again, it's, 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 it's saying start off with this, you're automatically going to, it's, it's what the Buddha called skillful means, right? Mm-hmm. You get a person to do A and they automatically do B without you having to bring it up. Well, and that's why it's so good that we got like these medical uh, guys. Like, like you know, you talk about Dr. Davis, you talk about Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Joel Furman, you know, Neil Bernard, all these guys who are in the medical community. None of and, these and guys. And Dr. Were, Garth Davis started off as a, a high protein, high protein carb, he, heavy meat. He said he used to yeah. recommend that to all of his weight loss right. patients. It was even in one of his first books or whatever. And they he said he felt. Dr. And he was talking about how much of a hypocrite he felt because he was so unhealthy in that. Like he had to do a photo shoot where they wanted him to run up some stairs, and yeah. Yeah, he was really. <laughs> They weren't like ethical vegans, you know, doing no, it, you know, no. for no. He was looking for the most healthy, the most healthy way to eat. So he started going through the research. Same with Dr. Michael Greger, you know, and, right. and that mm-hmm. led them to the ethical, compassionate side, which is yeah. great. That's but right. You can't, mm-hmm. 
you know, you can't say. I mean, that they went into it all about health. And it's so great that these guys are, are writing books and, and going through all the research and trying to separate all that. Because, you know, there's so much bad research and bad science out there. And when you look at who funds what, I mean, it, there it, it you makes go, my yeah. head. You know, so, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it, it, I, I don't even, I, I just yawn when people start, oh, you know, the research says. But, I mean, they spend all that time going through, you know, putting in the books. Like, like I said, Dr. Greger's book has like 100 and, 160 or 170 pages alone of citations. Oh, and, yeah. and this guy mm-hmm. doesn't. You know, and, and when you look at Gregor, he doesn't take any money. All his book sales, all his seminars, a- anything that he does on that side of the coin, all that money gets donated. So you can't even say, well, he's funded by Big Strawberry. So, of course, he's going to say, you know, <laughs> you know. So he's just trying to get to the, you know, he's trying to get to the real, you know, what what's the most optimal for health. Well, I mean, he, and, made, he made a good point in an interview, too. He goes, look, anyone who tells you in a book that you can eat that you can eat bacon and be healthy is going to sell a lot of books. That's the kind of stuff people <laughs> exactly. want to hear. People will love to hear that. You're like, oh, are you kidding me? I, I can put butter in my coffee and I can put butter on my bacon. <laughs> and I can put I can put bacon in my buttered coffee? Like, hell, man. That's a complete breakfast. <laughs> now, somebody's listening right now like, damn, I didn't think about bacon in the coffee. <laughs> Sincere might be on to something. It's good that you got these real, you know, guys, and they're out there working with real patients. And, and you know, getting real success, and they're and they're you know they're going through the science, they're going through the research, they're they're and they're out there learning and, and trying you know more studies. It's not like they just they, they think they found it. You know, they're constantly you know. Gregor does a ton of research. He puts out three new videos and two articles a week. You know, based on what him and his team of researchers you know can find out there, and he addresses things that are relevant. And uh, you know, it's it's like he said in his book, you know, how not to die. There's only one diet out there that's ever been shown to you know, combat, you know, reverse and, and halt cardiovascular disease and that, you know, whole food plant-based diet. And that, why isn't that the default diet, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I think, I mean, I like what yeah. you said before, Scott. He goes, it's, it, you can do what you want, but just don't tell me it's not working for me. Right. That's, that's right. the argument. And that's the thing show right works, there. That show works. It's funny because it reminds me of bringing back Mark Sisson's website. I remember a long time ago, someone sent me a, a thread on his forum where I guess my I came at, the discussion came up, and of course my name came up somewhere along there. And someone posted a picture of me lifting a heavy kettlebell, like, "Oh, look at this guy; he's been doing this for a long time." And someone posted, "It's like, yeah, you know, his results are impressive, but <laughs> no matter what he achieves on this vegan diet, he's still going to be missing out." On, on his full potential, <laughs> it's like okay, Nostradamus. You know, thanks for uh, telling me what I'm fucking capable no. of or not. It's like you know, so that that's an example of what I'm talking about, where people like the truth is right in front of someone, and they still want to find a way not to believe it. It's uh, like yeah, he's strong, but you know, think about how much stronger he could have been. Yeah, the, the <laughs> wonderful the wonderful life of the yeah buts. Okay, yeah, it's like, well, well, how strong, and I'm not the strongest guy in the world, and I'm not trying to say I am, but I was, but but how strong do I have to get until? <laughs> I show the diet works, you know? <laughs> well, because they're going to compare you to, you know, some, you know, pro lifter. Who, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Which they don't even know the entire story on that guy either. So, you know, you don't know what he's done well, to get there as well. On the road show, you know, when, when they were talking about the athletes, and he's like, well, I'm not saying you can't do it on a vegan diet. What I'm saying is it's more, you know, to optimize athletic. They, they love to use, you know, optimize, optimize or, yeah. put or, you know, whatever. To optimize performance, you know, you need to eat animals. It's like... There you go. You know, it's like it's just you know he's he's bought into that notion because it just kind of resonates with what he prefers to eat. But you know, even even on that note, I think a lot of times there's also that people buy into the notion that 
when they look at certain animals and how they perform, they feel like, well, if I eat that animal or I eat what that animal eats, I'll be just like that animal. <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a fucking lion. I'm like, okay, if you're a fucking lion, the next time you see roadkill, get out of your car and start tearing that meat up and have your lunch right then. There's your road trip meal right there if you're a fucking lion. Okay, if that's the case. So like, no, you're not I don't see you walk around with, you know, a blood covered mouth and tearing meat apart raw. Right then and there, it's not the lion's not going there having a barbecue. Okay, he's not sitting there putting sauce and seasoning. I mean, on even it. the way a gorilla eats, where I've seen yeah. gorillas in the wild, the gorillas eat a lot of leaves all day long. If yeah. we duplicate shoots exactly and all that, what they eat, you would never leave the toilet. Trust me, that, that's another thing. Even in the plant based world, like, oh, I'm a gorilla. Like, no, you're not. You're not eating like gorillas, and you're well, not I mean, trained like a gorilla. These kind of arguments always <laughs> make me laugh. It's like, well, look what animals do. It's like, look, I don't care about what animals are doing in the wild. You know, I'm going to focus on what's good for me. It's like, let's just focus on what's good for us. There's plenty of research on what's good for us. I don't think there's one animal sitting there looking at There's not a gorilla like, hey, man, look at those (laughs) humans. We need to do what they're doing. Check him out. (laughs) They probably look at us and laugh. Yeah, they're like, look at these idiots. Can you believe they came from us? Really? We're not related to those fools. They need to stop spreading that lie. Our lack of athleticism is what they're lacking. Exactly. Like, this dude came to do a pull-up, and I swing from trees all day. Like, come on. running down the mountain. They fall. They just go into a Just roll, tuck and roll. Yeah, exactly. And we fall and break a wrist and a hip and die. It's just like they're probably like, really? That's shameful. <laughs> but we're the we're the evolved ones, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think I, I think I mean one thing I do like about PETA is how they put all that information out about factory farming, and I think that's the, something where people have to have that conversation with themselves. You have to watch that footage and realize that's what you're supporting, and then you have to ask yourself, are you okay with that? Now, one of the things that that and if really the answer is no, then why are you still doing it? Exactly. What's well, always I don't know, laughable to me is when they, when someone posts something from a factory farm, there's always the one person that comes in because their family owns a farm. Like, you don't, you guys don't know what you're talking about. We don't do that. Like, yeah, you're probably one of the minute few that's not going there and, and hanging pigs upside down and cutting their throats. But, you know, and my thing is there's no such thing as, you know, a, you know, an ethical way to kill someone. Okay. <laughs> to my, trust me, if someone broke in this house right now and I had to shoot them in self-defense, you know, to my, yeah, I defended myself. Was, you know, but I, and I killed someone. Was it ethical? No, I defended myself. And that's what it came down to. So my thing is, if it's not attacking you, then, you know, you're, you're far removed from the whole humane and ethical thing from that. There's, to my, you kill, you kill. You murder, you murder. That's what it is. You know, take it for what it is. And don't try to dress it up. You know, like I or said. Or you paying somebody? Yeah. Or you paying somebody to do it? Do it for Yeah. There's you. a lot I mean, of there's a lot of contracts. There's a lot of contracts out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you think about it. So, and when you put in that kind of that perspective, and you know, it's just funny. Even I just put in the whole thing about just well, you know, I'm a vegetarian. I just you know, I said, look, dude, I've been there, and you you can't you can't sell me on it because I've been there. And, that, and a lot of times, a lot of people that sit there and say like, oh, vegan won't work, or vegetarian won't work. They've never done it before, or never they say like, oh, that doesn't work. Whereas I've been where you've been, you know, as a meat eater. So I already know everything you're probably going to use to try to justify what you're doing because I've been there. I've done that. I have a T-shirt. Okay, I've done all those things that you're going to say. I've said all those things you're going to say. But the thing is, if you've never, most people, they're they're really, they're afraid of things they don't understand. And so they kind of, oh, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. And that's with just about anything in life. You know, I always kind of, so what you have to do is kind of like, instead of going back on the attack when someone attacks you or whatever, first of all, I'm not the one to sit there and try to bash anyone all online. Like, oh, you, you know, going to someone's Twitter feed or something like, why are you doing that? 
that's just, it's not going to it's not going to create a healthy discussion right off the bat because they're going to get in attack mode. They're going to get defensive mode and like, dude, why are you coming on here coming at me, dude? If you don't like it, just don't follow me or don't read my stuff. Because guess what? I'll say the same thing. If you come on and trying to attack something that I posted on my feed, like, you know what? There's an easy solution for this. You don't like it. Unfollow me. In fact, I'll help you out. I'll block when you. People, when people come on and they're not they're not trying to engage in an intelligent conversation, yeah, you get the block. block yeah, you get blocked out. easily. The last thing you want to do is start arguing with people on YouTube or because they win every Facebook. time. Yeah, because you're, there's always something better you could have been doing at that moment than arguing with some idiot you're never going to meet in in any context. Because I always ask myself, would to my would this dude ever say this in your face? That's what you should ask yourself when someone's trying to come on and start a flaming war with you online. Would they say it in your face? And the thing is, like, nah. They wouldn't do that. Okay, move on. So just move on. And then you got to ask yourself the same thing when you're about to go go at someone and go in hard. You got to ask yourself, would you say this in this person's face? Be honest with yourself. Could you say this? And if you couldn't, don't even dare start typing on that keyboard. Somebody, you know, start typing the way you would if you were actually there in person with that person. And you had. Oh, man, one thing I've always been. One thing I've always bothered is I, ne- I never post anonymously, right? Like even when yeah, I use yeah. I don't yeah. post on any forums anymore because because I don't care to waste time on it. But when I did, I always I use my name, my, man. I always, always use my real name. Yeah, it's my, you, on social media, everywhere I'm on there, that's that. There's my name, so therefore you know it's me. So yeah. it's not gonna be, and it's gonna be my picture right there. You're gonna be able to identify me. It's not gonna it's not gonna be some you know some cartoon face or something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's gonna be okay. You know the no, name, you know the, the best, face. The best use of your time though is to work with people that actually want to hear what yeah, you have to exactly. say. Right? And so they'll like, let you know. Often I have people come to me who, who want to make the transition and I don't yeah. do consulting anymore. So I always forward those people to Scott. Yeah. And those are people that are ready to make a change. You know, they're easy to work with. Exactly. You, know, Scott, this, you don't have to try to convince these people to do what you're saying. They're, they're coming to you going, okay, how do I make this work? Exactly. Right. Or, you know, or, or can you just tell me a little bit more? You know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to like make some changes and can you just let me know if I'm on the right track? You know, right, and, right, and, right. And, and that's how it goes. I mean, it's just no different than training or anything else that, you know, we're known to do. It's just like you know, people just kind of want to know, like, OK, I, I'm ready to make the change. I've been doing, taking all the steps. I just want to make sure that, you know, I don't want to mess it up where I can give up. And that's always a good thing when they're asking for help. That means that they really, truly want to make that change. They're not just like dipping and dabbing in it. People are dipping and dapping stuff. They're not going to reach out to you. <laughs> they're pretty much just going to do it. And then if it fails, like I tried that, it sucked. It didn't work for me. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, so instead of just yeah. saying, like, maybe I didn't approach it correctly, let me go to a professional. Trust me, if I'm trying to go change the oil on my car and I don't know anything about getting under yeah. a car and move stuff, <laughs> you know, I watch a YouTube video and I try it and it doesn't work and the freaking <laughs> oil pan falls on yeah. my face, then I, I'm going to call my buddy who I know since we were in college, you know, he's changed his own oil. Whatever. I'm like, hey, man, come over and show your boy how to do this correctly. <laughs> and I said, because, A, I want to save my money, but at the same time, who, you know, I actually want to learn how to do this and, you know, you do it myself. So I'm going to go to someone that's more experienced with that instead of like, oh, nope, changing your oil yourself. That sucks. You got to go to you got to go to an actual oil changing place now. No one can do that. I won't be that guy. So it doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you're working on, Scott? Anything you have in the pipeline? Just uh, actually just spending most of my time in the training center right now, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm booked pretty solid with clients. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a pretty decent thing going online. And uh Cool. I just, cool. like I said, you know, that, that swimmer that I'm working with right now, his Olympic trials, he's, he's on his way to Canada right now for a regional event. Then when he gets back, he's six weeks out from their Olympic trials. And, uh, if everything goes to plan, you know, he should qualify for the team. And, uh, you know, we're just really focused on, uh, what we're doing in the gym right now. And, and I've got a pretty solid group of powerlifters I'm training right now. I've got about seven that I'm coaching, you know, in addition to my other few other athletes and then all my, uh, general fitness clients. So it's just mostly, uh, mostly in the gym stuff. I, I did start a, uh, 
you know, I haven't been able to do as much writing because I've been really busy. So I decided to take a take a stab at doing some video uh, blogging because mm-hmm. it's much faster to sit oh, yeah. down with oh, yeah. the camera and, and do that. So I started. It's, I just do it on my YouTube uh, YouTube page and then I throw them over onto my blog, which is on my website. But I just call it my uh, I call it Strength and Health TV, and I just try to talk about you know topics that are relevant to both you know strength and health and trying to merge those two together and uh you know some things that i might find interesting that i do get some feedback from people and and i try to you know steer some of the episodes toward that but i try to put out about two to four uh videos a uh a month and i'm not doing as much writing but i'm I'm trying to keep up with the writing too it's just you you know i mean i mean it's you know i'm one of the i'm one of those trainers that actually you know you actually train people. Time yeah. yeah, so I'm not, I'm not as, as. You, you know. actually have a facility. You actually have a background in training. People. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I've got wow. people that you know, waiting for me to open the door. You know, so I've got to actually be in here doing some work, so I can't be online. You know, arguing with people and challenging them to grappling matches. Come on, man. Around. That's the only way you're going to be an expert at what you do. What are you doing? You can't be yeah, wasting right? your time training people. Come on. No one even does I'm, that I'm, anymore. I'm trying to get, trying to get people results. That's so 80s. Come on, Scott. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But that's, that's about it, man. I really don't have any projects or anything right now. Uh, uh, actually, Stick called me a couple days ago with uh, something. I, I'm not going to say anything about it right now because it's not 100%, but I should find out this week if uh, I'm going to be involved in it. But uh, oh, cool. it, it, if so, yeah, that, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, it's it's a nice little uh, side thing that should be a lot of fun. But uh, you know, once I uh, once it's confirmed, I'll definitely shoot you a message and and uh, you know let you know. But it, it's more That's something good. that he's working on that he invited me to be part of. So so if it goes through, that should be awesome. But you know, other than that, man, that's that's just, just training and. And eating and uh, just living, man. Sounds good, there you man. Go, man. Hey, it's always great good having job. you on the show. Great discussion. We'll definitely have you come back soon. And what, what's your website where people can go check you out? Uh, the, the best one is just to go to my personal site because it's got links to everything else that I do, including my you know plant based performance books and all that stuff that we're doing for uh, to raise money for animal welfare and stuff. So they can just go to uh, Scott Shetler. dot com. S c o t t s h e t l e r. dot com is my uh, personal site and all my all my social media, YouTube, you know, my blogs on there and, and all that stuff. So they'll, they'll find, you know, whatever somebody's interested in, they'll find it there and, and be, be able to, you know, redirect to whatever it is they're looking for. So Sounds good. Sounds good. And are you doing consulting? Are you taking on any new clients? Yeah, yeah. I'm still, uh, okay. I'm, I, I'm doing, I, I've got a few more slots for in-person and I definitely, uh, I definitely have some room for the uh, online consulting. So basically what I'm doing on the online thing, I help people with either program design mm-hmm. Or uh, building a uh, plant-based, you know, people that are interested in going plant-based, I'll help them, you know, transition to a plant-based program. I'm not, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not, you know, going to help them with any anything medically or anything right. like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, doing contest prep. If people just want to learn how to incorporate, you know, plant-based foods into, the, you know, if they've, like like I did, you know, making that switch and I uh, just help them basically through my experience and the things that I've learned, you know, from people like Dr. Davis and Dr. Greger and, and uh, Furman and stuff. So. That, that's basically all it is. I do those consultations, uh, and, and then I, I do program design with people. So Sounds, Sounds great, good. man. Awesome stuff. Well, hey, great talking to you. Yeah, you guys too, man. It's, it's always a good time. I uh, enjoyed it. You know, I've been keeping up with all your episodes. You, you, the guests are awesome. The, the content's always awesome, and uh, you guys are doing a great job. So uh, definitely keep it up, man. Thanks, man. Thanks Appreciate lot. that. Appreciate it, man. You have a good one. Take good care, bro. That's too, that's too Take later. care, everyone. Later. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, folks, and you know what you can do? You can use that coupon code LLA, go get 10% off, get some Restorezyme, get your get rid of those aches and pains so you can get more productive workouts, get on a testosterone booster, take one or two caps an hour before training, get ready for some PRs, and look out for the, the new Adrenal Energy. Product. Well, the, obviously the dogs are very excited about it. 
<laughs> so make sure you hop on both websites, MikeMuller.com, NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off of everything that we have at both of our websites. Also, head over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. And go into that little box, drop in that number five, or put a zero behind that one, five, ten dollars. If you want to go with more, hey, we're good with that, too. And last but not least, be sure to head over to whatever form of website that you use to listen to the podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, and go over there, leave a review, rate us, and also share the episode with your folks over on social media. Let the world know what's going on over here on the Live Life Aggressively show. All right, so hey, that's going to wrap it up for us this week, folks. So we'll catch each and every one of you on the next episode. All right, take care, everybody. Take care, everyone.